This is episode number 959 with New York Times bestselling author Dave Rubin. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Albert Einstein once said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. And from the Roman historian Tacitus, it is the rare fortune of these days that one may think what one likes and say what one thinks. I think you'll find today's interview with Dave Rubin extremely fascinating. If you don't know Dave, he's a political commentator and comedian, and he's the host of The Rubin Report and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Don't Burn This Book. He's committed to, in his own words, free speech and big ideas. And his iconoclastic thinking has often made him the source of controversy. And in this episode, we talk about the importance of stepping away from news and or negativity to reset our own thoughts, finding what's true to you and doing your own research on every idea how to prepare emotionally for backlash and keeping moving forward regardless, his strategy for approaching interviews with people he may fundamentally disagree with, and the mob mentality that comes into play in dividing people who support different political parties. Dave was recently touring with Jordan Peterson, who also came on the School of Greatness for an amazing two-part interview last year. And if you liked those podcasts, then you'll definitely like this. And as always, while you're listening to this, make sure to share this with a friend because you have the power to change someone's life today by spreading some greatness to them right now. Let me know what you think about this at the end. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one, the only, Dave Rubin. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off okay quick math 
The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really wanna say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got Dave Rubin in the house, my man. Good to see you. Good. Thanks for being here. It is good to see you, and I mean that in the most literal way possible. <laughs> because you haven't seen a human being in months. I kid you not. I've I've got my new associate producer, Michael, here, who's doing some stuff for us right now and taking some pictures. But, but besides him, 
I have not seen anybody. Are you sick of your husband? I'm sick of my husband. I'm sick <laughs> so of my your, dog. Your dog. <laughs> you know what? I'm really, I'm really sick at looking at a camera because I'm doing this whole book tour just staring into a camera, a blank camera. And imagining someone's face. Yeah, I imagine someone. They, they said to me, some people are like, you want us to send a picture so you can just look at my still face. But I'm just staring into that camera all day wow. long. So I genuinely mean it. It is nice it's to see, to see you, another man. human. It's good to see you, man. Uh, <laughs> we lived in the same neighborhood for many years. Yeah, yeah. You live, I don't know, 10 miles away now. And I didn't really learn about you until about a year ago. I think when I was interviewing Jordan Peterson, I saw some videos of him with you. Yeah. Because I don't follow political stuff at all, but you also do non-political stuff. That's why you look young and happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> healthy and yeah, yeah, exactly. vibrant, joyful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just not really that into it. I feel like it's it's more confusing for me than anything. So I try not to focus on things that I don't that I'm ignorant about. I try to learn a little bit, but it's like if I try to speak in there. I'm gonna get mauled, so I try to. I That's just... actually probably a very healthy way to look at the world. You know, I always tell people yeah. it's like the people right now, especially in the midst of coronavirus, the people that only look at the world through a political lens. Like, if you only see the world through Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, blah blah blah, or you wake up every morning and you're like, "What did the governor do today?" Right. And right. what did my, what did the New York Times say about this thing and that thing? It's like all that can lead you to is endless misery. Because politics is not, I love politics, I'm a political creature, so I'm not pretending I have nothing to do with this. But if your whole <clears throat> worldview has nothing to do with anything other than just the day-to-day -day political machination, you will be miserable because politics is a battle of power. And it's like pretty much everyone in Game of Thrones, did you watch Game of Thrones? No. You didn't watch Game One, of Thrones? I watched the first two episodes and I couldn't get You know what, it. I honestly didn't love it. I know we're gonna get a lot of hate for that. <laughs> you, you didn't watch it and I didn't love it, but I did watch it, I did watch the whole thing. And in Game of Thrones, basically everyone dies and the people that are around at the end, everyone they know is dead. And that's sort of what politics is in a bizarre Everyone at some sense. point dies. Well, everyone's gonna die one way or another, but, but it's sort of like this endless, like just like crushing and slaughtering people now in many ways through the mob, which is why I wrote the book. But like, I'm just not that interested in just politics. 27 Democrats voted for this and third, it's like, how there's do people, so many more interesting things how, out there. How do people who are in politics I would say you're in politics all yeah. day, though. Yeah, right? no, you're, I am in it all you're day. In it all day. This is the irony, but it doesn't it doesn't define my worldview, and that's really what I mean. Yeah. How do people who are obsessing about it live a good life? It's because you're constantly in stress and anxiety and anger and frustration, and yay, we won, oh, we lost. Like, well, that's one of the reasons that in chapter ten, the final chapter of the book, I lay out ways to get away from this mm. stuff. You know what I mean? It's like you need to look. I, you know, it's funny because certain people will say. I'm not political, and that's actually not what you said. You said it's not totally my thing, you know, blah, 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 uh -huh. and that that makes sense to me, because not everyone can be political, but yeah. when people say I'm not political, it's like, well, politics cares about you, you know what mm. I mean? So like, there's gonna be something one of these days that comes down the pike, and you're suddenly gonna of be course. like, oh man. My maybe. kid's gonna be, I need something for my kid, or this, or my family, or immigration. Like, I'm dealing with immigration because my girlfriend's from Mexico, so it's like. So yeah. Now I get interested. Ah, now right? you suddenly care about politics. So. So that's the interesting thing. It's like when people say, oh, I'm not into politics, you it will get you at some point yeah. because you, something is gonna happen in your life, whether it's your Mexican mm -hmm. girlfriend or suddenly your kid's school isn't funded enough right. or or is funded <clears throat> the wrong way or there's a charter school you wanna yeah. send them to and they gay don't want you to go there, this, gay marriage. Yeah. It's like, it's all there. Um, but getting away from the day-to-day -day thing um, is why I wrote chapter 10 the way mm -hmm. I did because it's a political book. But then I wanted to say to people, hey, we need spaces to not be political. Like yeah. one of the things that drives me nuts is that 
when we had sports. Remember when we used to have sports? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you remember that? You go to a basketball I'm game. I'm watching the Last Dance right now. Yeah. It's, it's like giving me. Wait, can we talk about that it's in a second? Man. I want to finish this up, but yes. I, I want to talk about that. So when one of the things that I try to do is I take August off the grid. No phone. Yeah. No news. No nothing. You lock we, your phone in a safe. Right? I literally lock it in yeah. a safe, and I've done it for three Augusts in a row. And I'm telling you, you can reset your brain. In your you heart, have, your body, you feel alive again. You can clearly think everything, right? It is not, I am not exaggerating. I am not being over the top. Literally, like <clears throat> around August 15th, like about two weeks in, songs will start playing in my brain. Like I will literally be walking down the street and suddenly a song is just like rolling mm. in my head. And the reason for that is your brain's got a lot of stuff in there, a lot of stuff. And if you're in the day to day, what the hell's going on? Who am I fighting with? And who said, somebody I didn't know across the world said something that I mildly don't yeah. like and I got to destroy them. You're, you're inundating yourself. We have no idea. I got my mm -hmm. phone here somewhere. We have no idea what that little black mirror is doing to us. It's rewiring us. And basically I, I rewatched uh, Matrix a couple mm -hmm. days ago. And it's like, we are the batteries. The matrix is actually happening right now. You know, the matrix, the whole idea is that the human, the organic being became the battery for the, for the digital machine. machine, right? And we are actually doing it. What was that, 25 years ago, that movie? Yeah, yeah, about 25 20, years ago. 25 years ago. And it's still, like that. man, it's that thing stands up. You know, right sometimes now. you watch a sci-fi thing and just because of tech and how things change, it's like, ah, that feels too old. But that it's thing is still pretty. Oh, it's pretty, pretty It's beautiful. <laughs> it's pretty current still. Yeah. Wait, can we do last dance Let's for a second? Let's do it. Yes. Um, are you Are you loving it? So I haven't I, watched it, but I. Oh my yet. god, it's amazing. But ninety two, okay. You remember which finals that was? No. So this is. How old are you? I'm uh, forty three. I'm thirty seven. Thirty seven. Okay. So, so little, same around same time. Like yes. Okay. So it's a little yeah, yeah. little early for you, but ninety two. Uh, was when Jordan and the Bulls beat the Blazers, and it's the famous moment with the shrug, uh -huh. right? Yeah, and you yeah, see, yeah, of course. And, you know, he hits the six three-pointers, mm -hmm. 35 points in the first half. You see Cliff Robinson just crumble as a human. <laughs> yes. But my hero in life to that point, and in many ways even still now, was Clyde Drexler. Oh, he's unbelievable. Clyde the Glide, I love this guy, and Amazing. I still do. We've actually, we text every now and again That's now, cool. which is great. And, uh, you know, he's totally apolitical. We live in very, very, very different worlds. But I just saw this guy playing, and he was so smooth. Oh, he right never on. showboated. He was calm and cool. I mean, the nickname, Clyde the Glide. That's like that. And I just, my dog now is Clyde, so we call That's him Clyde cool. the Glide. We named him after, after Clyde. That's amazing. Um, but I, what I loved about him was, you know, all of these guys, especially now, it's always about them. You know, that you hit a three, you dance, you shimmy, you pound your chest, you look at the crowd, and all that stuff. And like, I was never into that. Maybe that's mm -hmm. partly why I interview people the way I do and the rest yeah. of it. But Clyde was just like, his head was kind of down. He used to dribble with his head down. You know, you're supposed to dribble with your head up, mm -hmm. but he would dribble with his head down. And then, you know, you'd look at the end of the game and you'd be like, he scored 42 points, had 11 rebounds and eight assists. You're like, I didn't even know he was playing. Right. Because he was just calm and cool. So it was like the Barry Sanders of basketball. Yeah, you know, in many like ways, Barry scores, Sanders. Go off the field. Barry Sanders, the guy who was freaking amazing, but quiet off the field, never showed, but he just went in and did his work. And yeah. there's something I really, really respect about that. I don't know why as a... 12 year old or 13 year old uh -huh. that that really appealed to me because you would think it's odd it's like <laughs> yeah. you, you'd like all the other stuff but uh -huh. for some reason that appealed to me more than the guys that were out there making it all about there's, themselves i think there's there's people that love the humble uh achiever and then there's others that love the muhammad ali's the mayweather's the mcgregor's that say what they're going to do and they do it yeah they call their shots and they do it yeah but i just feel like that's a lot harder of a life to live 
there might be big upside, but big lows as oh, well. Oh, there's big. And I think also the way and the time that we like those things is different. So like, I also came to love Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And Kobe Bryant was the ultimate showman. Yeah. He wanted to take out everybody. He was an incredible orator too. I mean, mm -hmm. every interview with him. And I'll tell you, the, the day that the day before Kobe died, mm. uh, we're here in LA, obviously, yeah. and I was flicking through the channels. You know, there, there's uh, the Spectrum uh -huh. Lakers channel, whatever yeah. it is. And Kobe was doing a show on there and I saw him and you know, he kind of half shaven or he sort of had like a little bit of a beard at this point. And I was just flicking the channels and I swear to God, the first thing that popped in my head was there is a guy living his best life. Mm. I, this is literally the day before he died. Mm. And the next day I was, I was going to San Francisco, I think, and just as I pressed the Uber, um, you know, I saw on Twitter saw and I couldn't believe it, just like everyone else, I was like, this is made up, this can't, you know, cause you always see that, somebody's name and you're like, no, no. And I, I, I teared up and then I was late for the airport and when I got into the Uber, it was a young black guy, probably late 20s, he was hysterical crying. Oh man. And we sat there and I cried too. And he said, I may not be able to drive. I said, let's just take a couple minutes. Wow. And we talked about basketball the whole time, how much he loved Kobe, how he, he taught him, you know, the Mamba and, and taught him about passion and drive and all those things. And I know this is quite a tangent from wherever we were wow. going, but like when you see people like that, like I, that, that's the thing about Kobe that's so weird is like, it doesn't fit reality sort of, that something like that could happen to someone like him. And that's not to, to uh, demean you know, his kids or anyone else that was in there. But when you see someone that was so doing what they were put on this mm -hmm. earth to do. The highest level. The highest level, and it's not just, you know, a lot of athletes, they finish up and then it doesn't quite work out, right? Even Michael Jordan, you could tell it's like, he owned the team, he came back. Mm -hmm. Even now it's like a little bit of like, what's going on there? But Kobe was freaking thriving. I mean, he won an Oscar. The schools, the Oscar. Schools, the, the podcast, the books. He was creating after basketball. Tiffany and I got to interview him oh, a year and a half ago. I gotta watch that. I'm gonna watch and that today. It was it went viral when it came out on ESPN and NBC and Olympics.com and Lakers. It went everywhere because we talked about love. We talked about family. We talked about these other things that he normally doesn't talk about. And it was an ex he set an example that I always remember. And Tiffany was there. It was just me and Tiffany filming, where we went to his office at the interview was set for something like eight o'clock in the morning, first thing in the morning, in the Orange County at his office. We get there I think around six thirty, thinking well, let's get there super early. Let's set up the cameras. Like make sure we have everything ready. And when we get there, six thirty a.m. The assistant opens the door for us and like unlocks it, opens the door, and she's like, this is where we normally film our interviews in this spot. And I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling this. Can we walk around the office and check another location? Yeah. And we walk through a long hallway with uh, kind of windows, glass um, offices on both sides, kind of conference rooms, into another big room. Didn't like what we saw over there. We walked back through this long hallway with these offices on each side. And the lights were turned off. And at one point when we crossed this uh, office, I see a shadow in the back of this office. And it's Kobe sitting there, just like this, looking up. His computer's turned off. There's no phone in his hand, no lights on, no distraction. The guy's just looking up like this, dreaming, visualizing, staring into the distance at 6.30 a.m. And I talked uh -huh. to the assistant, I go, is that Kobe? Like he's in the back <laughs> of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I think that's Kobe. I saw it for a second. And I was like, what's he doing here? And she was like, he's been here for an hour. And he was up before then at four working out with right. his daughter in the gym, you know, playing basketball and teaching her about his mentality. And she was like, he's always the first one here. And I'm like, here's a guy who 
has it all. Five championships, all the money in the world, invested in businesses, Oscar, yeah. and he's still showing up setting the example, which I thought was really cool. It's 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 not just cool. I mean, it's truly it's incredible. And that's what I mean about like when you heard about that moment, it's like it feels like a rip in reality in a way, because you know, we're all sometimes doing the best we can, sometimes not doing the best mm -hmm. we can. And and I always think about it sort of like when, when you're in your zone, when you're like really living life the best way you can, like I, at the moment I, I'm in a, like a good spot and yeah. I've really, and it's partly because of the book, but it's partly because of being around Jordan who I know you've uh -huh. uh, interviewed. Like I'm in a good run right now and I find when you're in a good run, you actually start forgetting about time. You're like, holy cow, three months passed by and you know some of that stuff that's always rattling around in my head, the old, the old demons or whatever is in there, you kind of forget that they're there. Now that's not to say you're always gonna be on that path and mm -hmm. we all then make mistakes and do all those things. That's kind of what life is about, right? Like figuring out a thing that works and trying to stay within those lanes as yeah. much as possible. But when you see someone like Kobe, who exactly what you just described, it was, it was so obvious to all of us. Mm -hmm. And then he's gone like that. It, it makes you question reality. Like, what is this? What is this thing that we're doing we, the, every day that could just be Gone. Ripped like that. What brings you back to perspective and gratitude? You know, why I talk about gratitude all the time. It's yeah. almost like this. You know, I talked to all this uh, scientists, on professors, doctors, researchers on happiness, and it always comes back to gratitude as being one of the main research scientific things that lead to happiness. Yeah, and you get gratitude from perspective. You know, it's like okay, my life used to be bad, now it's good, and I'm grateful. Or someone lost a child, or someone lost a parent. I've got mine. You know, that perspective helps us. You went on tour with Jordan for, what, a year or something? About a year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. This guy is probably blowing up more than anyone online right now. It's been amazing to watch his trajectory since the book came out. Yeah. What would you say has been the greatest lesson you learned from his example and the way he thinks, because he's one of the most powerful thinkers today in a lot of people's opinions. What's the greatest lesson you learned about yourself and a new belief that you adopted after being around him. Yeah, I lay, I lay out a bunch of those in the book actually. And the funny thing about going on tour with him, I mentioned this, it's like, we it wasn't planned. He huh. literally, he was in my studio with Ben Shapiro. We, <laughs> really? did, we do this interview and that night, Jordan was doing his first ever theater show here in LA, in LA at, the, at the Orpheum. Okay, yeah. And uh, we knew he was doing it. And Pete, first off, to put him and Shapiro in a room together, and I'm not even gonna include myself in that. I was, I was, <laughs> just, was, facilitating. I was just the guy, yeah. They're playing tennis and I'm just, you know, okay, okay, the let's referee. make sure, yeah. Just, <laughs> Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake caliper. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. 
With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm, just, I'm the ball boy, really. I'm just making sure the thing doesn't, you know, go out of the way. So we do that, and we 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 went for like two hours, and we and they were just getting started. These two, wow. And you know the speed with which Ben talks. Oh, and, 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 like, and, then, and then right, so that's Ben, right? And then you're watching Jordan with the hands. It's like you know, I feel like I'm in a movie here. And and I think what I've become good at, actually, why I fit into this whole thing, yeah. is that I am able, from a from a regular person's perspective, wow. when Jordan goes off the deep end with all of this stuff, you and Ben, yeah, what can, what can the how do we understand? <laughs> That's it. That's what I feel like my role is in my show. It's like how do I take a billionaire's mindset or the greatest athlete in the world and make some simple ideas so that human beings like myself can't apply them. And it's funny, I love that you're embracing it because it's very uh -huh. obvious that you are. And uh -huh. that, for me, it's like, people will be like, oh, Dave, you know, Dave thinks he's like Jordan Peterson or something like that. I'm like, no, I do not at all. Like, mm -hmm. I was part of this thing that was incredible. But so we finish up the, the interview with them and uh -huh. they could have gone hours, but I wanted to be respectful of Jordan because he's doing this first test show he had never done a theater show. And literally as a joke, as he's walking out the door, I said, hey, Jordan, if you want, I'll come on with you tonight. I'll questions. tell a couple jokes. Yeah. That's it. I was oh, like, wow. I'll warm up the crowd. He looked at me. He didn't even think about it for a split second. He's like, that sounds great, Dave. I'll see you tonight. Go there to the Orpheum, 3,000 people. Wow. And what was he going to do without you? Did he, he have a he, setup man? Did no, he, have a, he had nothing. He was just walk out on stage and be like, okay, and it, lecture. It, it's Jordan. It's like uh -huh. he just, it, it's sort of what we, what we were talking about a little bit before the cameras went on, but he just does. He just does things. You just move forward. So we get there and it's, it's jam-packed. And uh, the announcer says, so now nobody knows I'm going to be there, but the, uh, which is fine. The announcer says, and now the host of the Rubin Report, Dave Rubin, and the crowd goes freaking bananas. Really? And I couldn't believe it because this was just when the whole intellectual dark web thing was taken off. We, all of us were feeling that like something special is going mm -hmm. on, but we don't know what it is exactly. Are we teammates? Are we a road touring group? Are we right. like combatants? Yeah. Like what nemesis, the hell you know, yeah, is yeah, it, yeah. Are we nemesis? Are, like, is this, you know, like yeah. what is this thing? The crowd went crazy and I could I genuinely couldn't believe it. I was like, I cannot believe these people know me. Huh. And from that moment, I crushed it up there. I made some silly jokes about lobsters and I, you know, about the way he talks, he sounds like Kermit yeah, the Frog yeah, yeah, and some yeah. of that stuff. And the show was over, the agents at CAA were there. They said, Are you repped? I said, Yeah, but let's talk. And we signed the deal like the next day, and it completely changed my life. A year and a half later, we did 120 stops. We did something like 20 countries. 
I saw this man, so to, to answer your question, I saw this guy change people's lives. Mm. Like not just talk about stuff, not just put out theories that kind of sound right, not give you faux, you know, personal wisdom. I saw him by, by laying out those 12 rules, the amount of people that I saw him get to stand up straight with their shoulders back, that clean their room. I mean, I could give you a million examples, yeah. but I'll, I'll give you one, because this is the one that like, I actually took it out of the book, but it, mm. it just stuck with me. We were in Ireland, we're in Dublin, and try to imagine like, this is a guy that, he did not want fame. He was a clinical psychologist, right? right? So this isn't Professor, like, this yeah. isn't like, research, right. right, this isn't a guy, that, this isn't like meeting a comic who suddenly becomes famous and it's like, oh, this is what I always wanted, or, or an actor, like this is what I wanted. He was still this like humble, quiet yeah. guy from Alberta, Canada, you know, who's touring with his wife and like, you know, only eating, only eating meat, red meat. Yeah, you stage know, only I could get him salt. To have, I could get him to have a whiskey every now and again, which was always nice, but, uh, we finished the show in Dublin. You know, when you do these theater shows, as the performer, you don't walk out the front because you're going right. to be mobbed. So there's always this little side door and you leave a couple hours later and try to imagine just like the level of travel and jet lag. And he stopped every single person for a year and a half that wanted to say hello to him. He shook their hand. He asked them what their name was. I mean, the guy was just off the charts. And these are very much things that I've tried to incorporate into my life. Yeah. So that partly answers the question. But we walk out. And it's late night, he's signed all the autographs, he shook all the hands, the whole thing. He's tired. He sounds like a tired Kermit the Frog now. Yeah, now he really, like his <laughs> voice, his voice, because also, you know, he has that thing actually where he talks about it sometimes, that the way he talks is sort of up here. Mm -hmm. And that's just like what happened to him sort of, but sometimes he used to say he would train himself to try to sound a little deeper. Yeah. But but I could tell when he was tired, his, his voice would trail off a little bit. And usually at the end of the night, the guy the guy was beat. We walk out, we see these two guys, one's about 60, one's about 20, 25 and they're crying and they're sort of embracing and they quickly, they see us and they run at us. And it's me, Jordan, Jordan's wife and the tour manager. And it turns out they were a father and son who had had a falling out about five years before, who both bought the book, both showed up to the show because Shut they up. were fixing their lives, saw each other at the show, made amends and they stood there telling us that story, both of them crying, then Jordan starts crying, his wife starts crying, the tour manager starts crying, I start crying. It was like, it felt, I knew it as it was happening. I was like, I will never forget this. And I can give you a million other versions of like that sort of thing. People coming up, I got this job because of you. I got off drugs because of you. Uh -huh. I, I got a better job because of you. A guy that literally, we were in Sweden, a guy ran, that was running the jet bridge. He ran onto the plane. He was like, Jordan, I could get fired for doing this, but I just have to tell you, I got this job because <laughs> of you, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, everyone on the plane's looking, who, who the hell is that up right. there? But uh, I saw so many things like that. Young people buying their first suits. I was in Stockholm at H&M. I was just buying a baseball cap because it was really windy. I heard the story, yeah. And literally the, the, the guy in front of me, young kid, he's probably 20, he tells the cashier, I'm, I'm buying a suit because I'm going to see Jordan Peterson tonight. The guy goes, I'm going to see Jordan Peterson tonight. I tap him. I was like, hey, they, they knew who I was. And then I gave him a shout out at the show. I That's forget cool. what his name was, but I was, like, I was like, Mike's here. He bought his first suit tonight to be here and the whole crowd applauded for him. And that really was the feeling of the tour. Mm. So what I got from Jordan more than anything else is if you say something true, you can change the world because mm. that's what he did. Mm -hmm. It's not magic. It's not magic. We, we sort of think that that's not quite right somehow. That like you actually can't change the world or the world is just this thing that like goes and you know, you're an actor in it yeah. or something or maybe you can get your little piece and it's kind of okay or like something like that. But like he 
lived up to those 12 rules. It doesn't make him perfect. It doesn't make him Jesus. He's obviously had some issues since then, which by the way, he was open about as, as some of them were, were transpiring. But that is the lesson. Mm. You can change the world. If you fix yourself, you have no idea what putting a little order in the world can do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really trying to do that. I really am. Was there a belief that you had that was changed after that yeah. year? That you were like, no, I'm 100% this thing and believe in this value and principle, but uh, as time went on, maybe I believe in the opposite or something. Honestly, it's probably the biggest belief that there is, which is belief. He, mm. he moved me on this. So as we were on tour, there were a couple... Um, other tour stops that he did these debates with Sam Harris that you may have heard about where I mean, in, in essence they had done a couple podcasts he's atheist together. And, he's yeah. atheist. Jordan Jordan is a believer. Jordan's what I would call a sort of functional believer. I don't know that he believes in sort of like this undefinable magical God. And he always would say, I hate, when we would do the Q&A, he he'd say the only question he hated was when people would say, do you believe in God? Because he found it to be such a sort of amorphous question that mm. no one what is short of right. Because yeah. short of saying yes, I believe, or or saying no, I don't believe, your answer is always going to be muddled and and nuanced. Mm. And I hate to tell you, but a lot of people can't deal with nuance and yeah. the other thing. But what what their debates really were about were pretty much the the nature of reality. Like, is reality and are the are the biblical eternal truths mm -hmm. valuable and true versus what Sam would say, which I, I'm just paraphrasing both yeah. of their arguments, obviously Sam would say that humans can basically come up with systems of belief that are eternal and, and good enough. Sort of like enlightenment values around the 1700s of free speech and open mm -hmm. inquiry, that like that's kind of enough. And I really, I, I was definitely in the Sam corner years ago and I have completely moved to the Jordan side. I think, wow. I don't, I think you can be a complete secular person and, and non-believer and be absolutely moral and decent and good. I know many such people, including Sam, mm -hmm. but I don't think a society can organize itself around something, I'll, I'll say it a little differently. I think the only way a society can organize itself is around a belief outside of itself. You cannot huh. organize a society. Look, that's what the United States did. What did, what did the founders do that was so brilliant? They said, here you go, you have God-given rights. Mm -hmm. We're just protecting those rights. That's what the whole point of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is. They didn't say we gave you these rights. They said there are things that exist before us. And those things are the things that we will build a system to create. Because if you say that the system itself made you free, if the system, our mm -hmm. government made us free, well, you're saying man made you free, but no man made me free, no man made you free. You were born free. We are free as human beings. Now, a government can take our rights, but it didn't make me free. And we're seeing a weird version hmm. of that right now with coronavirus. It's like we're watching some of our rights be slowly eroded and we could debate whether sure. that's all well and good. And you know, right now our fourth amendment, you know, the right to assembly, like that's suspended right now. You know, that, that, that's big, but we're not really talking about that. So I would say Jordan moved me on, on what really, I don't know, in many ways it's the, it's the core question wow. of life. I, I just don't think you can, a society can do it otherwise. So for, 40, I guess, years, were you a non-believer in God or a, a certain religion or, because you grew up Jewish, right? Yeah. Or Jewish kind of. Yeah, see, I mean, Jew, Judaism Jew has like, Jew, right. Jewish, right? Like, well, that's the funny thing, because Judaism really more in a, in like a modern sense, it's more like, oh, do you like Seinfeld and bagels and locks and like right, have right, a sense right. of humor? And you, like, yeah. that's very much like what we think of and Some of, of the being traditional Jewish. dinners or something. Yeah, and right, then, yeah. okay, you're going to celebrate Passover, you eat some matzah, yeah. like that kind of thing. And I very much had that. I came from actually a more religious family than that, but not like super, super religious. Um, but I think the difference, 
for and I obviously I'm not speaking for all Jews. I'm not speaking for all believers, mm. all Christians, or anything else. But I think the the sort of core difference when when Jews <laughs> you and, and Christians, are, you and I are so similar because we have to, we have to we have qualify, to qualify every everything we say. Otherwise, people like well, they're going to come anyway. They're going to come anyway because they know where to cut the video. <laughs> I right? know it's um, crazy. Right? Sorry, but, go ahead. But I think the 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 difference in a in a vague sense or or in a broad sense between like the way Jews believe and the way Christians believe is that Christians believe in sort of like a very personal relationship with God, where Jews, it's sort of like the, the sort of like existential and eternal struggle of finding out what truth is. And those, that's very different. Those are very different things. I'm not saying one is better. I'm not saying yeah. one is worse. Look, the history of the Jews, we don't have to go into it. It's a yeah. pretty painful, brutal, mm-hmm. pogromed, holocausted, a lot of death history. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it necessarily came with some right. banner of protection around it. It obviously didn't. Um, but so when, when you asked me, like, were, was I a believer in a traditional sense or something like that? I was not a believer or a believer. That I was never taught that that was actually mm-hmm. that important. It was more like, what did you put into the world? So would you say, what would you say that you believe in now? Is it you believe in I believe this that, idea of God or you believe in a religion or you believe in a... I believe in some eternal truths that have to exist outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, it's the only way... There had to be a creator. There had to be a creator. Something mm-hmm. had to start this and it, and it had to be something with some level of intelligence outside. I don't think we're just atoms flying around. Maybe we are in a simulation too, right? Everyone's big into the simulation idea. I don't even think that would preclude a a creator at the beginning of that thing, right? Like when you're playing Sims or whatever, the I don't know, one of those games, like you're the God of that game. So like you started somewhere, but but someone someone started you and somebody had to create that world. So, these conversations can always go in like, you know, we could we could parse this off I, into 80 different I'm curious. I mean, I love this yeah. topic. I'm curious, in a world of abundance of info and ideas, free thinking, yeah. videos, media, influencers, persuading people, enrolling people in their ideals, how do we, as young people, how does anyone uh, find their values and their beliefs? Yeah. Uh, it's tough, but especially I think, when you say, "Oh, I changed my belief at forty, and oh, I changed." You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's a great question because it's tough, right? So, well, first off, I think there's a unique opportunity right now. So, through the noise of the online world, and mm-hmm. for all the haters and the trolls and the bots and all that stuff, it's on you to pilfer out some truth out of it. Mm-hmm. That very much explains, by the way, how Jordan appeared. You know, it's like Jordan was was saying this stuff for a long time, right? Yeah, he was in saying these things. He yeah. in the classroom. He was doing these biblical lectures for a long time, and then clearly the world, through the chaos of the world, or the last twenty years of a zillion ideas coming at us all the time, or the collapse of the mainstream media, or the collapse of manhood in a certain way, and we don't have good leaders anymore, mm-hmm. political or or personal. There was something crazy happening, and here's this guy who's been having this beacon, right? He's sending out a beacon saying there's some truth here, these biblical stories. I mean, the one that I say in the book is like, why do we all think that the little guy can beat the big guy? Like, why do you laugh? Yeah. My middle name's David, so I always felt like I'm the little guy, you know? David, right? Like, why am I always attacking Google every time they demonetize me or push one of my videos down? Well, it's not, yeah, well, first (laughs) off, it sucks, right? It sucks, but why do I do it? No one in their right mind thinks that they can beat Google but, but there's an eternal truth there. David yeah. beat Goliath. Now, I, don't know, I don't know if you're seeing what um, uh, Brian Rose is doing right now with London Real. Have you seen him? No, I'm, I'm going to do London Real in a couple days, oh, I he, think. Yeah. He just raised over a million dollars in the last, literally two weeks because 
Uh, Instagram shut him down, or not Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube is taking his content away. Why'd they do it? I mean, nothing would surprise guy, me at this point. Uh, oh, David, David Icke? Icke. David yeah. Icke, they yeah. had him on, and they deleted it. It was like, had 100,000 views in an hour or something, they deleted it. He tried to do it again, they deleted it, then they deleted his account or suspend, and then everyone deletes his page. Wow, I mean, I'm LinkedIn. doing the London Reel in a couple no, days, no. I'll have to talk to him yeah. about this. Yeah, and he raised, literally from his audience, over a million dollars creating something like, I forget the name of it, but something like the free speech video platform yeah, where you can have these thinkers on and it's not going to get blocked by a big corporation. I mean, I've had enough of a foray into this and I actually yeah. started a tech company in the middle of this called Locals.com where we're, we're building digital homes for creators wow. to, to protect them because I believe in competition. I don't right. want, you know, all these people that want the government to come in and solve this. It's like, well, big tech is really big and government's really big. Right. I don't really like these big things, so why would I combine these big things? So it's it's an odd Crazy. spot for a lot of conservatives because this is the one where the conservatives are like, hey, we love we love Trump and, and Trump's gonna help us, but you know, if Trump loses the election, well, con congratulations. Now the people that you don't like are also in bed with big tech. So that that's a whole other thing. But, but yeah. that concept though of big tech sort of deciding, we have no idea, this, this is the most important part. We have simply no idea how they're manipulating us. We have right. no idea when you put up a podcast, how many of your subscribers get those videos, how many they just don't send them to, what the algorithm says, well, oh, he's got Dave Rubin on this week, his audience leans a little this way, we're gonna suppress it this way, <laughs> we're not gonna show the tweets. It's crazy, you right? Know that, you know that shadow banning, meaning suppressing tweets in your timeline, which is just supposed to be chronological, that's what we all signed up for with Twitter, right? You follow people so you get one chronological feed, mm. Shadow banning is in the terms of service. Mm. They tell you in the terms of service that they can de-boost, I think they use another sort of Orwellian right, term, right, right. but they can basically hide or boost other people. So in effect, what we're doing is They're we're, we're playing a basketball game or any sports game, the rules are rigged, we all know the rules are rigged, and then the outcome comes out and we're like, oh, I can't we're, believe yeah, it Yeah, we're happened. trying to play blackjack in Vegas right yeah. now. Yeah, it's like, and by the way, uh, guys, uh, some of you are gonna get better cards, or no, some of you are gonna know what's the, the next card coming. You're gonna know when you got the ace coming. It's and, crazy, and then we all pretend we don't know. So it's such a big issue because it actually, in many ways, sits on top of absolutely everything else. So, I mean, back to the question of how do we figure out what our values and beliefs and principles are yeah. if we're thrown so much information from all these different opinions and ideas, government, free thinkers, YouTubers, whatever, yeah. and influence, we, we look up to influencers who are doing crazy stuff, how do we actually set values and principles for ourselves? I'm glad you brought it back because I find sometimes when I'm when I'm interviewing somebody, you go on like a great tangent, and then, and then I'm, and then I'm and like, what the, hell, what the hell was I asking? I, I completely, you know, because I do the same thing. I'm trying to be like, better. No, but I can see you're present, yeah. and that's the thing. Like when you're yeah. in it, like when I'm doing the other version of this, you yeah, know, yeah. when we're doing it the other way. It's like, I try to be in it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're in it, it leads to the next go, great thing. You're three steps down yeah, and you're going, there was something in the back <laughs> there that I wanted to pick up I or think whatever this, it was. I think this is an important thing for us to figure out because yeah. I have seen over the last 15 years, whatever, you know, since I've graduated college, let's say, uh, you know, I had one vision and set of beliefs that were trying to get into college and then play professional football. And then it's, how do I make my first, you know, $5,000? How do I make whatever? Yeah. Yep. How do I sell a company? It's like your vision and things evolve and your values evolve, I would say, as you grow. So I think the only, so yes, I agree with your premise. I think the only way to actually do it is it's on you. Mm. I know that sounds kind of cliche and not like the perfect, perfect buttoned up answer, but it is now on you that you have access, every single person with the phone, 
or with internet access, mm -hmm. has access to incredible minds at all time. In it many is. ways, in many ways, we're watching, uh, and I think we're really seeing it exacerbated by Corona right now. But we're mm -hmm. watching the university system collapse because you know all of these kids now they're going. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why am I paying thirty grand a right. year and going to all this debt? I can be on Zoom for free, and they're doing it. Zoom for free, and not only that, think about it right now. So just a couple of uh, you know people, it's like you could learn psychology from Jordan Peterson on for YouTube free. for free. Or buy his book and you get a, a membership for 20 bucks a month or whatever. And this is this thing that we're talking about, this access to information and knowing that there are good people out there who are figuring out ways to live kind of outside the system, it's a beautiful thing, but, but your question really is how do you like how do you pilfer something out of the muddle, out of the noise, out of the muck? That really is on you. I think the best thing you can do is, is what I've tried to do, and I suspect it's what you try to do. You try to find some people who are doing something approximately close to true. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're, you, that you can just sense, How oh. How do you know what's true? When you see the leaders you know in government you, who are saying one thing that maybe your family doesn't agree with, how do you know? I think you have to do the work. So you have to do the work to actually know facts. Okay, so let's we'll back up a little bit, right? So okay, so how do you know what's true? Well, first off, there are book, you know, look, it's like you yeah, could you read books that are all manipulated or whatever? But let's let's try to like clean it up a little bit. For the average person that's just going, man, I want to figure out kind of what's what's true here. Uh, first off, I think, you know, this is where we gotta have some a decent education system mm -hmm. and, and it's very 50-50 on This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price whether we have that. I've heard some interesting libertarian arguments that we just have to get the government out of education altogether. Why is it that everyone in LA, you know, all the lefty liberals in LA that love to tax the hell out of you and throw money at everything, you know where they all send their kids? It ain't public school, it's, it's private, private school. school. Right here, yeah. So like these are the complex issues that underlie everything we're talking about. Um, I think you have to be able to know some facts and not just narrative. So like one very simple one that we hear all the time is that there's this wage gap, this gender wage mm -hmm. gap. And the, the implication is that women make 63 cents or something on, on the dollar. dollar that the men make. And this is because of systemic misogyny and a patriarchy and all of these things. Mm -hmm. Well, you can actually do some research, go on Google. I would highly recommend a PragerU video by Christina Hoff Summers, who is a, a true feminist, 
meaning she wants true equality for women. She has fought for it her entire life. And um, she lays out why when they present these numbers, it's not exactly true. Do you know that men and women do different things? Mm. So there's a really fascinating version of this coming out well, of It's like Sweden. a documentary. It's like we can make a documentary persuade you into anything with facts or these, you know, Right. Well, right. So, so you always have to be careful of the yeah. sources, and I wouldn't say just watch one video. Mm. And look, I, I, I'm a mostly a libertarian when it comes to economics, and I can give you a couple great guys. To, I mean, watch my interview with Thomas Sowell, who has oh. been beating this drum for literally 50 years, who was a leftist and a Marxist. But I wouldn't say to you, watch that. That's the truth. Now you're done. Right. It's like, okay, watch that. Now, now find a sort of lefty economist. And match these two things, mm. match these two things. So when, when Thomas Sowell will say something like, you know, every time we throw money at something, we make the problem worse. So we have a welfare state that we all know doesn't work because if it worked, it would get people out of poverty, but we know it just keeps sucking just people into poverty. Put a on it and they stay in it. They're not empowered. They're not you know, and you taking can't responsibility. Blame They're not, yeah. All of those things. Why? Because it's easy. Why would you get out of it? So the best example yeah. I can, and then so, okay, that's a great point because then you can take what you learn mm -hmm. from an academic, right? And then you can map it to something in your life to see if it jives. So a great example of that would be that my sister, she actually just moved out of New York City because of Corona, but her, her plan was to live in New York City her whole life with her husband and kids. They just left, but she was in a, you know, one of these big 40 floor high rises and it was basically half rent controlled and half market. So she was paying, I think, around five grand for a converted one bedroom. So they wow. they turned Studio, it into that was two. A, yeah, yeah. yeah, they turned it into two kind of, and one of the bedrooms didn't even have a window yeah. with her two kids. She would refer to it as my little box. I live in my little box, right? Now, the problem is half of the building was rent controlled. And what happens then is you've got people that have the exact same apartment as mm -hmm. my sister who are now paying 400 bucks a month. And then wow. you can't you can't blame them for not getting off the government dole because if you're looking at your numbers, if you're just looking at your life and you're going, well, the government's been giving me this 400, and then what happens is that it goes generationally. So my sister will say, there are literally people here who were the grandparents, now their grandchildren are living there and they'll inherit that too. And they'll stay in that place because it won't force them to try to be more creative or hungry or resourceful, right? And, and by the way, again, you cannot blame them for that. Right, right. Because if, it would be almost, it would be it's like, well, let me get this straight. Like I could pay 400 bucks. I'm going to live in a nice area and a nice yeah. building. And there's a doorman down there. Or you're telling me I can give all that up, get three work jobs, my butt off. work my butt <laughs> off and have to leave and move to a much worse place. Commute and, an hour and a half. And, yeah, exactly. So, so I think that's a good example mm -hmm. because what you do is you, you hear a theory. So, so Thomas Sowell would say the welfare state creates perpetual welfare. And then he'll lay out some numbers to do it. Okay, and he's written a million books on this. Then map it to something that you know in your real life. And I would say the thing that really has shifted, people always ask me, have I really shifted on anything in these couple of years? I have shifted on economics because in the process of all this, much like you, I started my own business. And you pay a lot of taxes here in California, man. We pay bananas. It's crazy. It's almost like they're making more than us. Not only are they making more than us, but what are they doing to us? What are they doing to us? The more that the more that they take from us as the job creators, mm -hmm. the more they say to us, "You can't give other people. You can't jobs. hire more people because yeah. we don't we don't give any money to hire people." Yeah. So here's my associate producer, Michael, right here. He's a great guy. We just hired him right at the beginning of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Right. We sent all my guys Omaha steaks in the midst of this thing because they're busting our butts for us. I treat my guys good. We pay all their health insurance and all that stuff. I'm not I'm not tap patting myself on the back to say that. I'm saying I have a vested interest in keeping my guys happy. Mm -hmm. because they will work hard for me and I can grow my business. Now I can tell you, I don't really want more stuff in my life. That, yeah. that is the truth. I don't, we have one car between the two of us, but we have a nice house. We got a, we have a good life. 
Yeah. I, there isn't, like, I don't like flip the internet, like, what can I buy tonight? Like, right. I really have the physical things that I want. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean they should tax me lower just so I could have stuff, although that would be well within my right. Like, if I wanted a yacht and I could afford it, that would be fine. But what I know as, a, as someone that runs a small business, if you cut my taxes right now, I guarantee you the first thing I'm doing is hiring somebody. Exactly. Guarantee it. My guys are killing themselves right now working. Mm -hmm. We're all working 10 jobs. Right. And it's like that, so what I'm saying here is, hear what a great economist mm -hmm. thinks, map that to your life and see if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And if it does, that's probably the right thought. And do that in religion, do that in relationships, do that in everything. Do that literally in everything. Find from both sides and see what's true for you. Listen, I'm talking about a, a libertarian economist in Thomas Sowell. I'm not saying ignore the leftist economist. Right. Find that guy. They're out there. Find them and see if high taxes. I mean, you could also, tra I traveled the country with Jordan and every progressive city that we went to, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. the high tax places, guess what happens there? People can't afford apartments anymore. Ton mm -hmm. of homelessness, drug use. Yeah, Guess what? You're not going to believe what happened in the low-tax conservative cities: Dallas, Salt Lake City. You know what? Clean, right. clean, nice People buildings. People can afford enough rent. Very yeah. little homelessness. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not that's not a knock on homeless people at right. all. That is that we have to think about policies honestly, mm. and we're not that good at it. We're not that good. At but it. I mean, just because uh, your values and truth and beliefs might be one way, does it mean that that is the truth and that is the value that everyone should have? Or if someone else has their values, principles, and beliefs, we should adopt that? Like, well, it, what is the truth? Then? Right, okay, so, well, what you're asking is, are can one set of ideas be empirically better than another set of ideas, right? I think yeah. that's in essence yeah, what you're yeah. asking. So my answer to that would be yes, absolutely. There are ideas that are better than other ideas. Right. An idea I, of, oh, everyone should, we should kill everyone, that's not a good idea. Not a great <laughs> idea, right? Like, not a great idea, we can well, all pretty much agree. Which principles are the ultimate principles? You want, like, the primo I ultimate? I mean, I'm just well, like, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a, as close as I can get to that answer yeah. is exactly what I lay out in this book. Yeah. Individual rights is the most important thing, period. Meaning that everyone who lives in, let's just do it from an American mm -hmm. perspective, everyone that lives in the United States, regardless of gender, uh, skin color, sexual orientation, any of that immutable stuff, if you are a legal member of the United States, I believe you should live under the exact same laws. Period, that, that eliminates discrimination. It doesn't, now here's where the lefty argument would be, oh, but some people come from money and some people don't. Well, yeah, that, that's life, that, that's tough. Some people are born with great physical attributes mm -hmm. and some people are born disabled. Some people you know, come from a lot, come from a little. All of those, some people come from great homes where, where they're gonna be enriched and mm -hmm. set off into the world in a positive way. Some people come from broken families yeah. where they're abused and then that hampers their life and then that, that cascades through generations. But the, the government can't fix all of that. I think all the government can do is give you equal rights. And then it can basically say, now we're out of your way. And, equal, equal, and then find yeah. the little spots where they have to jump in. That's equal, it. Equal rights in terms of what? what? What does equal rights actually mean? Well, equality under the law, meaning there's gonna be no law that discriminates on somebody based on an immutable characteristic. Gotcha. That, that's yeah. it. We're not gonna say, black people get this, white people get this, gay people get this, straight people get this. get this. Women get this, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Those things do not matter. And there's an- If you're a human being, you get are equal you, are, rights. Are you here legally? 
Yes. You got equal rights, we're good to go. And then and then we'll get out of your way. Now that's not to say we shouldn't have any government, although I really do like some of the the really <laughs> far right libertarian thinkers. When when people when you say far right, people think you mean like racist. But when I say far right, I mean like the disassemble government, like let's see what happens, kind of <laughs> Mad Max people. I love the idea. The burning man type. Yeah, of yeah it's yeah, like yeah. The, the perpetual burning man yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um but guess what? Burning man burns kind of hot, right? Like yeah. you can't live like that forever, right? Everything so flames up at the end of the week, too. And, yeah, nobody burn it all down. <laughs> nobody Nobody wants to be cleaning those porta potties. No, like no, that, no, that's no. the thing. And everyone so, wants a shower. Everyone wants a shower. Have you ever done it? I haven't. I, I haven't, I haven't been called. You're, you're too pretty boy for that. You can't, I been, you can't do that. Every one of my friends has done it, and every year my friends like beg me to come, and they're like, "I've got a ticket saved for you." Every year they save me a ticket. I'm just like, I don't feel drawn. Yeah. I love the people that go. Like. You're all awesome. I think maybe 10 years ago I would have enjoyed yeah. it. Now I'm like, like, come on, man. I like, like sleeping on a nice yeah, bed me now. Too. Like I used to sleep in the back of like yeah. buses and middle of seats and back of planes. And yeah, so I like to yeah. have a comfortable bed. I like to be clean. <laughs> I hear you and, <laughs> and I a dust agree. storm all day, you know. Yeah. Um, this is powerful. This is really interesting. I'm curious, uh, you know, we talked about Jordan and Ben Shapiro uh, a little bit. When you did this little conversation with Ben and Jordan, who was a better debater? They're completely different and opposite in the way that well, they- Well, it's interesting because I don't know that it was a debate per se. It was really just like a match of wits. Mm. That, that's what it was. Like, it wasn't like we had, we set out, like I've done debates on my show. Like I've uh -huh. done debates with great thinkers like uh, Dennis Prager, who's a believer, mm -hmm. and Michael Shermer, who's a skeptic. And we talked about, can you can you have a moral society without God? Mm -hmm. And they, they hold completely opposite positions and we, we debated wow, it. Wow. And by the way, they happen to like each other yeah. very much. And it turns out in a bizarre, we found out that day that uh, Dennis's current wife actually dated Michael years before. His wife was there. It was like wow. a really weird, strange thing, but like, what a beautiful thing. And it's like, they like, they, they view the world in the most fundamentally different ways. Mm -hmm. I, I would say this for like Sam Harris and Ben Shapiro also. Yeah. It's like Sam and Ben, disagree on literally everything. I'm talking That's about from belief, yeah. <laughs> but well, I would say more, I don't know that they're friends like, well, I had been out to dinner with both of them mm -hmm. a couple times, but I'm not saying like they're the chummiest chums, but they're they allies, each other yeah, yeah. They're, they're allies in like the quest for us to mm -hmm. live our best lives. Yeah, it's great. What they view as their best lives are different things, obviously, Ben from a religious perspective and Sam from a, a humanist or an atheist perspective. Mm -hmm. So as for who won the debate, it's, it's not who, who really- Who do you a better debater in general? Like if they're not debating each other, but um, in I a think, debate. I think Ben in a debate, Ben's style, the quick hits of he Ben, so. his mind operates like that. Jordan Jordan's strength is taking seriously complex, long argued ideas and extrapolating them, but that takes time. And I would say to Jordan, when, when this is really true and, and people find it hard to believe, but when we toured, he never gave the, the same speech twice. Mm. every single night. I mean, try to imagine that, an hour and a half lecture. Some nights he would do all 12 rules, some nights he would do one rule, some nights he didn't even talk about the book, he would talk about Twitter, literally the whole night, and wow. related to his and life. People loved it. I, they were like... I never, I mean, when I tell you that I would look at the crowd, because you know I'm sitting on the side of the stage, so I can basically see Jordan from behind, and then see the crowd, and I'm telling you, glued. never, it never stopped. It never, <laughs> never stopped. There was one night where we were on stage during the Q&A, and someone asked a biblical question and he was coming up with some imagery from a biblical story, but he couldn't quite remember it. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we heard some screaming in the crowd and then like a crashing sound. And it turned out that somebody about 20 rows back ran at the stage, we saw the guy and then security tackled him. And 
I kind of freaked. Like I, I like first I like kind of froze. It's like it, you know you don't oh, expect yeah. you know even though we've been warned and we talked to security and all the things, but we didn't know what this guy was doing. And I kind of froze. And Jordan, he now knows the whole room is like holy shit. Like is, is someone about to kill them. Like what the hell's going on here? And Jordan, like in the most calming possible way, he completely saw what happened. He goes, guys, he said everybody, I want you all to calm down. It, I saw his phone. He had the image that I was talking about, and I he, wanted to and, show it to and me, he yeah. got a little overly excited, and and he shouldn't have come up here like that. But I, mean, I want you to calm down. But the way he just did that, wow. and that that sort of it answers your question earlier about Jordan as well. But I bring that up here because Jordan's strength is understanding the human condition, mm. and and working within that. Ben's, ben is a debater. Ben is a debater. I, I've seen him debate a ton of people. I've never seen Ben beaten in a debate. I've never really seen him. <laughs> never I've seen never him seen him beat. rattled. Well, I, I don't think I've ever seen him beaten in a debate. I, I don't think he's, he's probably not at his best every debate, right. but I, I've never seen him purely beaten or someone like really get Humiliate him yeah. or something. Cause like he always has something to come back with, right? He's, he's got something. So that's just more of a style thing. I don't think Jordan, you know, Jordan would even say on stage sometimes, he'd be like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a combatant. He would say, you know, every time a hit piece comes yeah. out, he would be like, you know, I'm not that thrilled to have to fight it. And I, I feel very similarly. It's like when I see them come out against me and there's a lot of them right now, you know, that people that are just attacking me personally and that just have a, years of not liking me that, you know, hate yeah. me now. And it's like, well, I'm not really that interested in that you don't like me. Some people like me, some people don't. But some people want that fight all the time, you know? We talked about this before the show about getting hate. And I think the bigger that anyone gets, they're gonna get more people that love them and more people that hate them. And you're getting a lot of hate and attacks. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. when you're in the political game in that world, you're gonna get a lot more hate in general. Yeah. You're gonna get extremists, people that are like shouting your name in praise and other people that are like trying to take you down, mm -hmm. I'm assuming. I don't know if that's. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know I'm, if I'm I'd, with you so far. I don't know yeah. if I'd ever want that, that life, but I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, well, that life may come for you, whether it, you like it or not. I think it, it will not. come for me. Yeah. You know, it's already coming, even though all I try to do is speak positivity and just show the light of people and the best of people. It's like I had Ben on. He's talking about being, you know, tied to his bed and bullied as a kid by, like, uh, yeah. friends or whatever, or fake friends, and how it, it affected his whole life, like being bullied and made fun of and picked on. And I'm trying to, like, showcase the good about people, even if you don't believe in what they believe in, there's still lessons that we can learn Absolutely. from everyone. Yeah. But even just doing that, people hate me for that. Do you remember, uh, this about two years ago, you know Mark Duplass, the, the director and actor, he's been in a, a good, recognize he's, he's face, done a gajillion yeah. things on HBO and, and a whole bunch of stuff. He was, his brother, it's the Duplass brothers, his brother was in Transparent, he's been a lot of stuff. Um, I sort of became friendly with him on Twitter, and you may remember this about two years ago. He sent out a tweet that, in effect, all it said was, I disagree with him on a bunch of stuff, but Ben Shapiro's not the devil. It was something to that effect. Something like that, and he got. The mob went bananas. He deleted the tweet. Oh my gosh. He then, he then, well, Mark's a nice guy. I've, I've broken bread with him before, privately. Um, so this is not a knock on him as a human, but this is sort of what the mob is. He deletes the tweet. He then, but now they know they've got you, right? Because he didn't do anything wrong. All he said was, this guy who I have political disagreements with is a human being, yeah. something we all know to be true, right? He deletes the tweet, then he issues an apology. He actually posts an apology yeah. about, you know, and then basically threw Ben under the bus and said, and you know, his racist past and right, right. all of the stuff, like just the red meat stuff that, you know, we all know is nonsense. And unfortunately what happens in that case is the mob came Mark bent the knee, and then it's not like they ever let you get up. They now know we've got you, 
and you will now stay down forever. Wow. And that's one of the reasons whenever I see one of my friends or sometimes people that aren't my friends, sometimes it's even people that have gone after me, when I see them getting mobbed, if it's just, I will defend them. I will defend them even at a cost to myself because I mean, yeah. right now, right now I have this crazy coordinated Reddit, just these un the underbelly of the gross internet all assaulting my Amazon reviews and they're all writing horrible things and none of them have read the book. They're not verified reviews and the rest yeah. of it. And it's funny because it's called Don't Burn This Book. I wasn't expecting this to be 1941 <laughs> Germany where they were gonna like, the trolls were gonna show now. up and throw the books into the bonfire. But in effect, they're doing a digital book burning. Mm -hmm. Why would you burn a book? Well, you would burn a book because you don't want the ideas to get out there. So why are they, if my ideas are so nothing, well then why would they be assaulting the reviews? Yeah. They're assaulting the reviews because they don't want people to read these ideas. It's probably the best thing that can happen in the book. In many More ways- More people it, talking about it. Well, sales-wise it is, but but I'm not gonna sit here and say that it isn't slightly annoying. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's frustrating well, when you yeah, see Yeah, like, you know, to go to my Amazon page right now where we know we're crushing it, but then see that the first six comments because because they send thousands. Worse. Of, yeah, yeah. And it's just like lie after lie and all that. So it, it takes some toll. Of course. Um, but ultimately they are they are the driver to what we're, they're proving the point of the book. Like yeah. I couldn't make this shit up. I feel like, uh, you know, I've gone through different stages of levels of attacks, right? There's different things that have happened in my life where people then bullied me online or attacked me. And I remember being like, man, this really sucks. Like in the moment. Yeah. And, and a recent one, a year, a little over a year ago when it was happening, the mom mentality, I just kept thinking to myself like, this is happening in my favor. And I'm gonna have hindsight now. In a year from now, this is gonna blow away. Some people remember, but it's not gonna be this, and this much energy. If you don't let it destroy you, we don't, don't destroy you. And if you keep you. moving forward and keep being positive and keep creating the content that you love that's helping people in service, eventually they're gonna let it go. And you're gonna be that much stronger because of this to be able to serve at a bigger level. You know, Jordan Peterson, we have a video that went viral, there's 30 million views on Facebook with, with Jordan from our interview, where he says, don't protect your kids. Yep. You know, the thing that makes them beautiful is their vulnerability, their, you know, their insecurities, the things, these things that make them children, but don't protect them because they, it's gonna weaken them if you protect them. Yeah. They need to fall. They need to smash their face in the ground and, and scab up and- He would and, tell a story about his, his letting his daughter climb a tree and yeah. she would occasionally fall and he exactly. knew he had to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's, a friend of mine was going through this this last weekend actually, uh, Dr. Nicole Lepera, who's a therapist that puts out like how to help people with anxiety and stress online. She's blown up millions of followers on Instagram. She got tons of attacks of being like this cult leader where all she's trying to do is just, here's an Instagram image of like how to overcome anxiety. But millions of people are flocking to it and she, you know people are getting attacked at the highest level. How do we overcome the hate and attacks that are to come our way when we put our voice in the world, when we share our truth, when we rise to our greatness. Yeah, I suspect you know the answer because you, you're doing a version of it of yourself, but this really more than anything else may be the driver behind the whole book because I really believe that right now the biggest growing sort of political or even ph philosophical movement is people that are just afraid to say what they think. Mm. Doesn't mean you agree with me. I lay out my political positions here. It is complete, if it turned out that you disagreed with me on 10 out of 10 of them, it would be completely fine. Right. It's very obvious, this is the first time we've met, it's very obvious we wanna live in the same country. <laughs> like we, yeah. we wanna find fulfillment and happiness yeah, and make people's lives Peace, better. Love, and all of that yeah. stuff, all good. And if we disagree on abortion or on legalized weed, mm. it just doesn't matter to me, yeah. truly. 
Um, that's not to say those things aren't important and we should discuss them and all that, but it's just like, I want truly to live in a country with people that disagree with me. You know, there, there's something like 350 million people in the United States. It's like, mm -hmm. if they all thought like me, we'd probably have a problem. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I don't want to live in North Korea. I, I like America. This, <laughs> right. is, this is a good spot, right? Um, but I think the main driver of the book is really getting to what your question is. You must start standing up for what you believe. I think a lot of people think that, you know, everyone feels this weird thing right now. And with Corona, it's getting even weirder. It's like, we don't know what the future is anymore. You know, just two months ago, remember two months ago when we used to go out? Hang go, out, friend, go to the go, basketball game, yeah. Go to the beach. Go to the park, the, the beach. beach. Remember the beach? Yeah. That was a great thing that we had here in SoCal. It's 85 and sunny today, we can't go to the beach. So really think about it. The world feels right now, for everybody, if you're, if you're thinking, the world feels like, kind of like, whoa, is the future guaranteed? Is the, we always thought everything would basically be okay. You know, you might go, oh, Trump's president, this, that, the other thing, but you think that the world itself is sort of like functionally okay. Well, right now, we have all been trapped in our houses for two months. Nobody thought anything like this could happen. Ever, ever, and, yeah. and by the way, the, the good part of it is that I think people are rethinking their lives. People are going, you know what? Maybe I don't want to commute that hour to work each day and I do maybe want to work from home or I like being around my kids more or I don't like being around my kids more or I don't want to live in a big city because I'm too reliant on systems that are under assault or I want to be able to grow more food yeah. so I need to move out to the suburb. A million different things. Like I've really tried and in, in the Rubin Report community, what, one of the things I try to do is we post... Um, recipes on there. We've been doing stuff mm. about how to do gardening. Wow. Like just stuff. It's not, it's, I'm not a freaking amazing chef. My husband happens to be a great chef and we post some of his stuff, but I've started gardening. I'm growing broccoli right now wow. and peppers and all this stuff. I, I mean, you'll see my house eventually. Yeah. Like I, it's not that I have a huge garden. I got beds on the side of my house, but it's like, I wanted in the midst of this, I started rethinking things. It's like, maybe I should be a little more reliant on myself. Mm. And we planted some citrus trees. Like wow. maybe we should be more reliant on ourselves. So I think being reliant on yourself, that that really is the answer. So how do you beat the mob? Well, the mob actually preys on the fact that people are afraid. And I think mm. there's a lot of people that think, oh, if I could just be, I can sit this one out. Let me just sit this one out. Let me be quiet this time. It'll pass, it'll pass. It doesn't pass. That's the thing. They have preyed on the fact that good people are good people. And they have used that against us. And it's, it's the frog in the boiling pot. If you think that your acquiescence or that your silence is saving you, you're actually turning the dial up on the pot that you are mm. in. And as you know, it does not end well for the frog, right? right. Like that frog is fried at the end of that thing. Yeah. And I think that that is what has happened here. And that, that in many ways is why I wanted to write the book more than anything else, because that was the idea. It was like, I don't <clears throat> think that everything I present here is the most legendary political idea of all time. But I think I've been able to communicate ideas in a good way, and, mm -hmm. and I've paid the price yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, you and know, there are rewards absolutely. based on the price you paid, too. And I don't say paid the price to get any pity points. Right, I don't right, want right, any right, pity right. points. I've gotten the rewards of that, too, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's cool. How, I wake up and I'm ready to go every day, you know? How do you feel like we can emotionally arm ourselves for taking on backlash? Because if we want to be great in our lives at any stage, any... any uh, decade of our life, there's going to be critics, haters, backlash, mob, whether it's online, offline, whatever. What do you think we can do emotionally to prepare for that? Besides what I think is the best thing is just to do it as, yeah. often, <laughs> as often as possible to be able to stomach it and say, okay, I'm still alive, I'm still here, 
Yeah. Like, it didn't kill me. It hurts. Yeah. But I'm stronger. Well, partly it's that. Partly yeah. it's that. Partly it's basketball has been a theme here. So, like, partly it's why did Michael Jordan practice harder than anybody else, right? Like, that is the known thing. Kobe was like it, too. It's like, why did they do it? Barkley didn't love practice. Yeah. Al, Allen Iverson famously, yeah, yeah. practice, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's not to say they weren't great players, but Allen Iverson and Charles Barkley never won championships. And mm -hmm. Michael Jordan won six championships, and he was in the finals six times, right? And he systematically eliminated every one of his peers to get mm -hmm. there. Um, so partly it's just that. You gotta, you know, Douglas Murray, who I've had on my show, who's a brilliant conservative political thinker from the UK and one of the greatest writers that I think we have in modern times. Mm -hmm. um, he said to me once, he said, you know, if you get in the pool, he said, in a British accent, I believe, if you dip your toe in the pool, <laughs> you might find out that the water is not that cold. And I actually think that that's the right mm, idea. Yeah. We, we, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. It's something like that, that we create these monsters. And then when you actually go ahead and, and do whatever you're supposed to do, you might step in the pool and be like, Damn, I thought the water was gonna be freezing, but it turns out it's 92. It's and, fresh, yeah. Yeah, fresh. and that's not to say it's gonna be perfect, because trust me, it yeah, won't yeah. be. You will lose friends. I mean, we've all been through versions mm -hmm. of this. People that you love will suddenly say the worst things about you. You'll watch. I'm seeing some of this now. I'm getting a lot of um, support from my sort of right-leaning friends. So, you know, Shapiro and mm -hmm. Peterson and Glenn Beck and Dennis Prager, that crew. A lot of my, my lefty guys who have been with me all along the road have completely abandoned me wow. because they don't want to just deal with any of the backlash. And I also think this is a whole other topic, but I think that goes to a little bit of the lefty mind, which is in constant protection mode. Um, that's, that's like sort of like a whole yeah. separate thing, but you got to get in. Get in the game because the game is coming for you anyway. Whether you like, you can say I'm not playing, but it's what we talked yeah. about with politics before. The game is being played, man. You're That's like saying, you know, if, if we were looking at a chessboard, it's like you are one of the pieces, whether you like yeah. it or not. And if the whole board is being shifted around, well, you got to move with it. How do you handle uh, interviewing someone or sitting down with someone who has every opposite belief than you, who is so firm in their beliefs on whatever opinion they have, they hate everything that you love? Yeah. How do you sit and listen to someone with an opposing view on everything about your life and your beliefs and not let it affect you and hurt you? Yeah. Is that possible? So I can give you two examples of this. I'll give you one on the left and one on the right because it's a, because the premise that you're asking could apply to no matter where yeah. you fall, right? So on the left, I interviewed Marianne Williamson. You yeah. know her, right? The, dem the Democratic times, yeah. candidate, the, the, yeah. So I interviewed her and as I was interviewing her, lovely lady, yeah. maybe a little out there, that's fine too, that was part of the magic. But what I realized about 20 minutes into the interview is we had a fundamental impasse on how we view the world. She's a collectivist and I'm an individualist. She believes sort of in collective guilt, so she had just done this thing a few weeks earlier in a church. About the, you, uh, you saw this. About the uh, slavery, about the- Yeah, and the, that she had the, the white people in the church go up to the black people and touch them and basically apologize. And it's like, I don't believe you're guilty for your father's sins, your grandfather's sins, much less, no one in my family owns slaves. That's right. not to say that we, we should not realize that obviously slavery was a horrible thing and mm -hmm. all of those things. But I don't believe in collectivism that white people are suddenly guilty of something or black people inherently are not guilty of something or guilty of something. I just don't believe the world operates like that. I believe the, the world operates, you are responsible for your thoughts and actions. Mm -hmm. Now she obviously viewed the world in a very different way and that's very obvious in all of her policies and all of the things right. that she was putting forth. And I realized as an interviewer in that moment, I thought I could let her say whatever she wants, and I will and I'll treat her respectfully. But if I don't stop right now 
and announce, we just have a fundamental difference on how we view the world, then everyone's gonna look at me and be like, Dave, everything she said up there for an hour is completely against what you say, right. but you just let her say it. So I felt the best way to deal, to deal with that was to just make the announcement, just make the announcement, we just view the world differently. There you go. Um, not making and her wrong or not, making yeah. her bad or whatever. Do I, do I believe that my view of the world is closer to something that will uh, ultimately free people? Absolutely. But I, it's not interesting to me to, to bring on people to just attack them. Yeah. I, I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. Someone else can do that. That's fine. It's, <laughs> yeah, not, it's yeah. not what I want to do. You're you know? more of a neutral yeah. like me. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's Because this is how you get... I, I, it's very obvious to me that you don't have an agenda with me. You're actually right. trying to find out what I think. That's much yeah, more yeah. in line with my kind of interview. Than trying to gotchas. And, and, and by wrong. the way, man, I say this all the time. If a million... You know, I was kind of early on the long form interview uh -huh. thing on YouTube. But if a gajillion other people start being out there doing it better than me, I will find other things to do. Like I really like writing the book. I like doing public yeah. stuff and tours, talking to the camera yeah. and tours and all that. So, so that's why it's like I never feel a competition in any of these things. Yeah. It's like, man, if you blow up, it's like, that's awesome. Cool. Like you're doing something good. I really mean that. Like that's cool. Like I can do other things. I wanted to be in the NBA. It's too late. But, you <laughs> exactly. know, but, uh, but I'll give you the right version of that as well, which was I had this guy by the name of Stefan Malinuan. Do you know who he is? Mm -hmm. So he's a, a YouTube guy who's become a, a bit of a cult figure and he talks a lot about race realism and sizes of brains and all of this mm -hmm. stuff that I, am, I was never particularly interested in. It's not my thing. There's a twang of what feels like genuine racism mm. in it. Like, I don't even mean that he himself is, is racist per se, but if you're obsessed with that topic, it always strikes me as like a little bit More, weird. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of the only interviews that I've ever done, maybe, maybe literally the only one I've ever done, where I actually called a couple people to ask for advice on how to go about doing this. Because I wanted to treat him respectfully, the same way I would treat everybody else, but I also wanted to make sure I wasn't not getting attacked by the world for. Well, I knew that was going to happen no matter what. I knew the world. I knew that either way was yeah, going to happen, yeah. right? But I, so I talked to a couple of people, and I felt that I dealt with the interview correct. My my driving point in the interview was I kept saying to him. I think I said it three times. Why do you care about this? Whoa. Why do you care about whether there are racial differences related to brain size and IQ? Like what? And I don't know that he gave me an answer that perfectly answered it for me, but I also think as an interviewer, if I'm never to touch, I'm sure you have your own version of this, if I'm never to touch the people that are on the fringes, then what will happen is the fringes will keep mm -hmm. getting tighter and tighter. You know what I mean? Like we'll keep getting a slimmer and slimmer version of who we can talk to. Yeah. And you know, it's sort of like the Alex Jones thing. It's like, listen, Alex Jones may be a nutbag. He may be really a WWE style wrestler more than a political uh -huh. pundit, or he may be half actor and half conspiracy theorist. It doesn't even matter what he is. But the idea that this was the guy that we had to take out online, I'm not defending anything he said. I'm not, I'm not lauding it or defending it. I'm just saying when they do this coordinated assault uh -huh. to just eliminate somebody, what in effect what they did is they made him more popular. I, I've right. heard from people on the, on the inside that he's actually making more money than he's ever made before I'm because sure. they drove his core fans to him, right? To however he makes money. I'm not even sure that is. Right. Maybe it's through his website or whatever. They drove it all to him. So instead of giving the YouTube rev and the, which you know is pretty crappy and mm. you know the, the CPMs and yeah. all that nonsense. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm just a believer that for guys like us, we have to do our best to, to talk to some people that maybe aren't loved by everybody and then, and then survive the slings that'll come with it. It's just what you gotta do or get it into another line of work. That's it. 
If you can't yeah. stomach it, yeah. If you can't. I hear you. Yeah. And I try to, um, yeah, I try to really make sure that I'm never like attacking someone or anything like that when I'm interviewing them. It's really trying to, to pull the best out of them and make sure that also that I'm not saying this is also what I believe in. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good that you do that and, as well. And, but, well, because that's the tricky part because sometimes someone will say something that everyone knows that I think is is wrong or the wrong right, idea, right, right. and it's like I don't feel it's like like sometimes you don't need I'll to push them. justify. Yeah, I, I don't see that's the thing. I don't want to justify my justify myself. I may push them and say, you know, well, I don't really understand. I mean, if you if you keep giving money to the thing that you say doesn't work, yeah, yeah. maybe that's not going to work. You know, something like that. Well, that you can do that, but at, but then uh -huh. it gets to a point where it's like if they came on my show, which is in my home. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, it is literally in my home. I, I'm not there to destroy them. And as right. far as I know, no one has been killed because of any right. of the ideas that have been put forth yeah. on the Rubin Report. It's funny, I'll get a, you know, I typically have, I guess, a certain type of person on my show, let's say, maybe, I think. And when I don't have that type of person on, people are like, that I can't believe you. <laughs> like, I'm going to get this with you for sure. Yeah, like, when yeah, I had yeah. Jordan on and Ben on yeah. and with you, yeah. they're like... I loved you for seven years, but now I now have to unsubscribe you... because I can't believe you'd even give a platform to a human like this. And I'm like, I remember a few years ago, I was on Ellen one day, the Ellen show, yeah. and the next morning, 24 hours later, I was on Glenn Beck. And people were like, I can't believe, it's probably the only person ever to go on Ellen and Glenn yeah, Beck. Yeah, that's quite a deal right there, hours. yeah. I like flew to Dallas, did the whole thing, and people were like, I can't believe you're on Glenn Beck. And I'm like... Why? Like, if I'm if I'm trying to get a message across, do I just want to speak to people that only think the same way, or do I want to try to inspire people thinking different ways? But now think about this: Did you get any hate for going on Ellen? No. So now, th so this is super interesting. To no, me. I mean, this I got is, praise. So, but that's yeah. super interesting to me because this is also partly why I wrote the book. Because this, what you're talking about right there, is a symptom of something that's on the left that really mm. is out of control right mm. now. So. These people see you go on with Glenn Beck. Now, Glenn happens to be a good friend of mine now. I didn't know him I two like years Glenn. ago. He's a, him. Yeah. he's a super nice guy. Glenn and I have major political disagreements. Yeah, yeah. I am pro-choice. He is pro-life. That is like the biggest one for conservatives. Mm -hmm. Like that is the one where they're just like, what the high hell is wrong with you? You may disagree with me on everything else, but the pro-life one for them is the big one. Yet Glenn and I, for, they distribute my show on The Blaze. Like right, we're right. actually in business together. <laughs> people think he's my boss. He's not my boss. I do whatever I want. We give him my show. That's it. But um, but I know him to be a good man and everything else. Now, yeah, think not about perfect it. man. And he would never tell like you he's us, perfect. He's, you know. By the way, the guy has apologized for his past so many times. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know that anyone's done more mea culpas than Glenn Beck. Yeah. But the point is that, so you go on Glenn Beck and then your lefty audience is going, how could you be with that right winger, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Now they'll probably call him racist and why we, mm -hmm. and Glenn is not a racist or any of that stuff. But what's interesting is, you're right, whoever the right side of your audience is, the politically right side of your audience is. Now, Ellen's a, a member, uh, the number one top lesbian we've got in America, and she's a known progressive and lefty and blah, blah. Why did nobody, you said you got none, and that doesn't surprise me. Why did nobody say, you sat down with that lesbian? They're supposed to hate gays, aren't they? Mm. That progressive lesbian, and they didn't. And that disconnect is one of the things that I am trying yeah. to show people because everyone because yeah. the new move the new move that people make is oh both sides are equally horrible. And at this moment in 2020 it's not true. I am not saying that there is no mob on the right. Of course there can be a mob on the right. But the mob on the left is coming for everyone all the time, even the biggest lefties. Mm. Brett Weinstein, who I had on my show, and you probably know his story, he was a professor at Evergreen, a progressive his whole life. Evergreen is the, Evergreen State was the most left college. It was voted mm. literally the most left wow. college in the United States. 
And he, they had this day once a year, uh, I think they called it a day of absence, where students of color would not go to class that day um, as a um, acknowledgement of what they felt was historical racism. And they had been doing this for two decades. All Brett said one day was they had decided to change it about three years ago. They were gonna actually tell white students and students not of color not to come to campus. And he said, we can't do that, we're a university. We can't tell people not to come to class one day because of their skin color, that's racism. He didn't say that they can't do it the other way. He had allowed it and been part of it for years. They then called him a racist. Mm. Of course, even though he was taking the anti-racist position, he was literally chased off campus with bats. No way. Him and his wife, Heather Hying, who was also a biology professor at the school, they both ended up resigning. They got 500 grand to resign, which sort of sounds like a lot of money, but for two tenured no. professors is absolutely That's... nothing. But my point is the left does it to their own. Yeah. They, they sort of come for everybody. Brett was a Bernie Sanders guy. He bought into all of that stuff and he wasn't good enough for them. So it is interesting. And, and the hmm. one other thing with Ellen on this is, remember there was that moment at the, fo what, what football game was it? When Ellen was taking that with picture George with George, Bush. Uh, yeah. George W. Bush. Yeah. Now what happened? She got a lot of Ellen, backlash on her show and talked about it, right? She literally had to apologize on her show she was that, like, we're friends, even though I don't believe in everything that he believes in. But why did nobody, not one conservative came after George W. Bush? You're in a box at a thing. You're in a box at a lesbian, it's kind of funny, but you're in a, <laughs> you're in a box at a football game with America's top progressive lesbian. No mob. They wouldn't judge nobody him said or it. they wouldn't. Nobody judged him, nobody cared. No, but, or shouldn't the, the stories were all, um, Ellen DeGeneres sits down with, or is in the, the football box with you know George W. Bush, who was for the Iraq war and blah, blah. Shouldn't the stories, if we were a mature society, a society mm. that wanted to heal, shouldn't the stories have been George W. Bush, who ran as a wedge issue, used gay marriage as a wedge issue, it's one of his worst mm. mistakes, um, and I think he actually regrets it. I don't, I don't know, even that know he's what a wedge well, issue means, meaning, but meaning he made a I'm point. So angry to no, you're a lucky. You're a lucky. I'm like, I, you're a lucky man. I just want people to live a happy life. You're, you know, it's like let's just make good decisions. You're like wedgie, what? <laughs> um, no, a wedge issue meaning he took at the time gay marriage it was being debated, but yeah. it wasn't like a hardcore uh -huh. issue of the right. He made it a, a right issue. His campaign manager at the time, mm. Ken Melman, really pushed him into doing that. And you're not gonna believe this, turned out Kel Ken Melman was a closeted gay guy. No way. So that, that's a whole other psychological uh -huh. examination right there. But, but George W. Bush made gay, gay marriage a wedge issue and that actually helped him get reelection because it mm. fired up the evangelical base that was very mm. anti-gay marriage at the time. And by the way, most of them don't even care about it anymore, which shows you right. that they've changed. But the point is, the, the, if we were a healing nation that mm. wanted to show evolution, that wanted to show people change, we change, you can be friends with people that you maybe don't agree with, the stories on HuffPo, instead of being Ellen sits down with you know war criminal George <laughs> W. Bush or whatever it is, the story should have been George W. Bush, president who ran against gay marriage, goes to a football game with a, literally America's top, most famous mm. loved lesbian and their friends. And their friends. Look what we can create together now. But nobody ran that story. Wow. And, and why that's, is that? Well, because uh, why? You know, why do you turn on the six thirty? Well, not that anyone watches the local news anymore, but you know, you turn on the news, yeah, and yeah. if this guy got shot, this guy, you know, lit himself on fire. The yeah. cat died over here. A woman got electrocuted. You know, yeah. if they were to say, you know, everything's all right, you gonna watch that? No one watched. Yeah, I don't know that anyone's watching the other thing, but right. uh, you know, we do have a. Bill Maher talked about that this mm -hmm. week that we have this sort of like, um, I, I think he called it outrage porn or uh, something mm -hmm. to that effect, like. We're just like, we've become obsessed with all of the craziness. And, and that also goes to why I talk about 
getting offline every now and again yeah. and, and not being permanently political. It's like uh, when this whole coronavirus stuff hit, my, my girlfriend was, I wouldn't say obsessed, but she was checking a lot of stuff all the time. And it was causing her to almost get sick. Yeah, yeah. Like emotionally, anxiety, stress, shortness of breath. And she was creating, you know, sickness symptoms, essentially, in the yeah. first week. And I said, you need to stop watching this. It was my birthday, March 16th, like kind of the first week it all hit. And I said, for my birthday, do not talk about coronavirus. Like, that's all I want. Yeah. Just like, please. Because for like it? a week before, she was like, ah, you know, the stress. And she didn't talk about it. I go, this is all I want. And now she doesn't look at it anymore at all because she knows it only causes more stress and anxiety. You can't live a great life when you're focused only on the negative all day long. Well, not only the negative, but, but the immediate. The immediate, immediate. it's in the definition. It yeah. changes every second. And if you're obsessed, yeah. oh my, they found out that there's two more cases in here and this yeah. guy did. It's like you will go bananas in the midst of this thing. So letting go of some of that stuff, uh, it's yeah. key, man. It focus really on is. a positive you. vision. Po- did she give you just the day? Or did she, she take the day, into- then she took it back for a few weeks, but now she doesn't talk about it anymore at all. Yeah. I think she knows the stress of it. And it's like, in her culture, the telenovela is a big thing. You know, it's like, ah, that's what people watch. Like, you stole this, and then you cheated on her with your sister's ex, whatever, and that's what yeah. people are fascinated by. You know, it's hard to put out positive information out there sometimes. Can, I do, a, can I do a reverse interviewer move? If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Here, sure. I wanted, something's been rattling in my head. Go ahead, bring And it. since I'm doing so much press, I'm not interviewing people right now. There's something I've been thinking about and maybe I'll give this thing to you and you can start asking people about it. So I've been watching, uh, re-watching The Sopranos during the, the, the I, break. I was gonna call it The Break. Whatever the hell this, you never saw it? Okay, so I it doesn't matter. Them, yeah. you, you've seen so, I know what mafia it is, yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. And one of the amazing things about The Sopranos and almost all mafia movies is that the bad guy, or the good guys, do all sorts of horrible stuff. They beat their wives, they have gumas, they kill people, they chop them up. They're alcoholics, they're doing coke, they're beating their kids. (laughs) They got hookers over. you like them, yet you like them, Because they're trying to go after the bad guy who's stealing the money or something? Well, who's often doing just the same stuff. Right. But there's this fascinating thing. You watch um, Goodfellas and you're rooting for Ray Liotta, who's doing all kinds of horrible stuff, right? You're rooting for Joe Pesci, you're rooting for Tony Soprano in this. Well, it's one of the things that I've really been thinking about lately. I, something that you just said there really like clicked that with mm. me. That I think the reason is that they have a code. Oh, that's how I wanted to bring this all around as, a, as the guy being interviewed, right? We're talking about greatness. Uh-huh. They have a code that they live by. It may not be the code you like or the code that is the right code or something like that. 
But Anthony Soprano or any of these mafia guys, they, they have a believe set of rules. A, they have a set of rules. Now, and if you play by those rules, you almost let them do anything. So in the last couple episodes, he has literally chopped up a man. Um, he has cheated on his wife with like a, like 20 women and prostitutes and you know the whole thing. Um, he moved out of his, you know, uh, he hit his kid. I, like just so much stuff. <laughs> but, but he didn't. But the whole time, and I keep saying this to David as we're watching. But he kept I'm like, his mouth shut. He didn't. T he didn't tattle. He didn't. Yeah. And I really think there's something to that. I, I have to think this thing kind of through a little sure. bit more, but I think that sort of gets to a lot of what we're talking about here, that that you need some kind of code in life. I'm not saying your code yeah. should be cheat on your wife and, and kill your business partner. <laughs> and do you gotta cocaine do what you gotta all day. Do. Yeah. Right, right, do all that, but like, but I think the fact that he has a code, mm. it allows you to watch somebody do horrible things and still be like, oh, well, at least he's got a code. And I guess I would relate this a little bit to the political part, mm -hmm. which is, most of these politicians, they, it doesn't seem like they have any code. You don't know what they believe. They say anything on any given day. You see just to get the same just to get stuff that they and... railed against 10 years ago is the same <sighs> stuff they're going for now and all that kind of stuff. What's so this I don't game? know what I did there, but I Sure, well, I just something. feel like that's a, it's just a game. You got to constantly be evolving the game to get vote people to vote for you. Yeah. And you have to change your beliefs a lot of times in order to, like the George Bush thing. Yeah. Maybe he was changing belief or whatever to get voters he, he knew to play the game. How do we get the base out? The base, oh, the base is, is heavily Christian. We know that the gay marriage thing's a big one for him. Let's do, you think, do, do you think there's any political leader that at a high level in government has been able to stay true to their principles and values throughout their, you know, four, eight, 12, 16 years of being in government? I At think the level? closest we got is Rand Paul from Kentucky, Senator from Kentucky. His dad was Ron Paul, who sort of led the, the Tea Party movement. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a true libertarian. He, um, he tries to cut spending all the time. He tries not to vote for wars. He tries, mm -hmm. you know, it's odd because he's become one of Trump's biggest allies because mm -hmm. Trump has cut a lot of regulation, so he's kind of freed up business mm -hmm. to do stuff. I, I view that as a good thing. And one of the reasons that I don't have Trump derangement syndrome, that I have become sort of okay with Trump, although, do I think he lies? Of course he lies. Would I wish you know, he would somehow speak a little nicer and some of that stuff, uh -huh. of course. But the policies themselves, I actually think have basically been fine. And one of the reasons I've been able to even, it seems odd that you have to say you have the courage to say that, but you know what happens when you say uh -huh. that kind of thing, is that his main ally is this guy that I actually really do think mm. is trying the hardest he can. Does he end up signing bills that increase the debt and the rest of it? Yeah, because the whole system is is out of whack. There's no money left, and yet we keep, okay, more stimulus. We have literally no money. So, how much debt are we in right now? Trillions and trillions of dollars, and it's going up. I think we just signed another $2.2 trillion stimulus. It's like, the how number, do we, how do we get out? Well, I hate are we to tell ever going to get out of this? Or is it just you so, yeah. go bankrupt and you say, I, can, I start whisper, again? can I whisper how we get out? I mean, it's called war. The, the sad truth is we are, it seems to me that we're in an almost unavoidable conflict with China now. They have so much of our debt that we know we can never pay it back. There's there's nothing, like short of like some sci-fi, we, we find a planet somewhere that has unobtainium like in Avatar right. and we mine it and sell it to the Chinese here. Although we would get in a war over who's gonna get there first. Like there are debtors and we've got more weapons than our debtors right now. That That's, I mean, talk about a mafia move, it's like, 
we sort of know, ah, we can keep borrowing from them because we got all the nukes and, you know, they've got some stuff, but, you know, we've got bases everywhere. It's a seriously depressing, like, unpleasant thing to think. They got it, more people. Can't they just create more well, weapons and have more They got money more and... people. I suspect they're probably cloning people, too. That's a whole, oh whole other thing. I mean, we know we can clone dogs and, crazy. you know, you can Ears clone sheep. Yeah, yeah. We can clone, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, if we can clone dogs right now, which we, you, there's commercial cloning of dogs happening right now. It's the same people that did That's Dolly nuts. the Sheep. You can do it right now, and um, for a million dollars, it's 50, 50 grand <laughs> to clone a dog. To clone a dog, Shut 50, up. 50 grand. Have seen a clone 50, dog? I've never seen it, so is I haven't. It functional here, you know or is it like one? I'll give you hobbling. one. I'm going to give you one. I have not said this publicly, but I will tell you this. Um, Your dog so, is cloned. So my dog, my dog Emma, was my my first dog that I ever had. She died in February. She was 16. Oh, she lived man. an incredible. Oh, man, this dog, she lived an amazing life. Oh. She was a rescue from Hurricane Katrina. Oh, survived the hurricane. Gave birth during the hurricane. Oh man, so sad. She, she lived with us in New York. Then came with us to LA. She she went to the White House. She went to the Grand Canyon. Oh. This girl, just gorgeous, great life. Okay, a great life. And she yeah. lived a long, great life. Um, we we treated her great at the mm. end. She the, the last thing right before we put her down, we had people come to the house and put her down. Mm. We we cooked the whole chicken. We put it on the floor. We let her tear through it. Oh she was struggling God. to stand at that point oh and everything else. But goodness. but she lived a great life. Anyway, um, a few weeks before she we had to let her go. Uh, my husband David was cooking and he said and Emma was there and she was kind of just you know and they just stare at you they just look up at you in the oh. eyes and the whole thing and she and David said you know I'm really gonna miss that I'm gonna miss oh. I'm gonna miss the way she looks at me and suddenly that sparked something in my head and I started doing a little googling about the cloning thing and I've never said this publicly before and I'm, I know crazy, I, I don't know who's gonna get more more crap for this me saying it to you or oh, right. or, uh, or you <laughs> yeah. or you be letting me say it but I found this company that does the cloning. They're the same. They're the same guys that did Dolly the sheep. Remember that was the famous one twenty years ago. Dolly the sheep was the first sort of right. animal cloning. Anyway, they do commercial cloning. It's fifty grand a pop. You I don't. Die. I don't have fifty grand to do cloning. I had my assistant contact them, and I sent. I don't sent a bunch of videos. Trade. Don't tell me they did a trade for it. They did not do a trade. So for Emma it. is on ice right now. Shut up. We did. We did the the samples. You have to do you know some skin samples, oh some gosh. samples, and the, she's on ice in uh, in Austin, oh. Texas right now. And then here's the thing, we, because I was supposed to be on a book tour right now and everything else, we said, well, we're not gonna have a dog probably through the summer because we'll right. be traveling. We'll be traveling. I, yeah. Also, we wanted a break. Like uh -huh. it was a, she had- Heartbreaking, yeah. Heartbreaking, like we, she, she, had, um, she had bladder cancer, so we had a, like a long protracted thing, we wanted a break. Then Corona hit and I ran to the, I heard that Shelter. the shelters were all closing down and I, I saw this guy, Clyde, he had, a, well, he was, he had no name at the time, right. they just found him, but, <laughs> but, uh, we, he was, he literally, they had the thing signed. He was about to be put down that oh, day. Man. We grabbed him and he's, he's gorgeous and he's awesome too. But anyway, Clyde is, uh, Emma is, is on ice. Her cells are on ice to be cloned. Crazy. And when's it going to happen? You want to hear the, even is the this legal? Is yeah, this... no, no, it's legal. Okay. What's not legal is CRISPR technology. So they're not allowed to manipulate their genes in the United States. To like oh, enhance them as a yes. super You can't, it, so nuts. you can't. So that's CRISPR where you can manipulate eye color. You can oh manipulate, my gosh. because David's allergic to dogs. So he said, could we ask them if they can make Hypergenic. But so in America, you can't do that yet. But China, now I know why I was telling you this China, whole story. You can do this. Because in China, oh, there's man. no doubt. And not just China, by the way, and I'm not even knocking the Chinese. Yeah. You know, once science comes out, once you open that Pandora's box, you can't stop things. So in many ways, you could argue that by us not allowing these 
other gene manipulations that we're actually going to fall behind as as countries are doing this. So that we goes to my to, point. We have to do it. In a, in a way, we if have to. If someone else is going to do it, we need to do it, is what you're saying. I mean, this is the race to science that can lead to all sorts of, you know, the oh island gosh, of Dr. Man. Moreau and all, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, she's sitting there, and I don't know if we're ever going to do it because I'm a, I'm a huge believer in adoption, right, and I love right. saving dogs and, and all of that stuff. But we couldn't say no to the opportunity to, and by the way, the, com the company's wonderful. They didn't want, all they said is, they said, we'll do it for you because we see how much you love your dog. And we oh, see all these, wow. I, I put videos up of her that got millions of views at the end. And they said, listen, if we give you the puppy at the end, all we would ask is that if you, you turn on the camera and say hi and say who she is. And so we'll see if we're going to do it. I, I honestly don't know. Dude, I'm, this I'm, is nuts. And you know what's funny also? I, I had this running time. joke. I've had this running joke with David that what will happen, this is before coronavirus, that, that what will happen is we'll clone Emma, she'll start multiplying, and then humans will get a disease and start dying off, and then the world will be run by Emma, which is sort of the plot of Planet oh of the Apes. Gosh. And then next thing I know, we're in a pandemic, and oh I've got Emma gosh. on ice in Austin, Texas. So Maybe she's the savior. She could bring us home. I mean, if she starts talking, it's like, <laughs> you know. So have they done this already with another dog? Yeah, yeah. Barbara Streisand has several cloned dogs. Up. So there's a lot of celebrities that have it, but they won't talk about it publicly because they think it's a bad PR. Because right, 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 you, right. you got to have a lot of money. If you're going to put... Right, right, it right. used to be it's like, like don't rescue a dog grand. that's going to die. Why spend 50 grand on your yeah. own dog? And truly, I have an ethical... I'm, I'm not... Wow. downplaying it at all like i'm not sure we're going to do it we did we did the stuff to get the, the it's material like preserve, it's like having your ace taken out as a woman yeah like you're saving your ace for the later if you want to do yeah. it it's like having your brain taken out and they're going to ice it and, <laughs> this is crazy, man. and bring you back in 20 <laughs> 21 22 let me try to wrap this up this yeah. has been a powerful uh I, it's I, been I so great meeting you yeah. connecting with you and hearing all this yeah. stuff even though if i don't 100 percent agree with you 100 percent of your life oh, on everything you do geez can we make a note of that that's going to be a problem <laughs> I feel like you have to say that at the end of every one of yeah. your interviews, right? Yes. You know, oddly, I've agreed with everything you've said here. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This was a real weird yeah. one for me. Every yeah. question I've asked, you've agreed incredible, with. Incredible, incredible. This book is called Don't Burn This Book, uh, Thinking for Yourself in an Age of Unreason. There's a lot of unreason out there, for sure. We've got a lot of great people who've endorsed this, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Eckhart Tolle, which is, you know, um, yeah. someone on the other side, I guess. Uh, someone, Larry King, who I've interviewed as well. So some great people on this Excited to check it out more, man. This is really powerful. I've been watching a lot of interviews about you, researching for this, so it's been fun to learn about your story and a lot of things we didn't get to talk about, which was, you know, what was harder to come out as being, you know, gay or your, your political side, which I've seen you talk about. But if people want to learn more about all these other things you talk about, they can go watch you on the Ruben Report, yep. YouTube. Uh, do you have a podcast too? Oh, it's audio it's as well. It's podcast and it's audio. I see it on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's all, that's your main channel. The book there. is uh, where can we get the book? You can go to don'tburnthisbook.com. We're we're crushing it on Amazon. And if you want to help defeat the trolls, <laughs> leave this is what I keep telling people: leave an honest review. If, yeah. if you want to give me a three star review and you're like, you know, I, I didn't love it, but it was okay, I'm fine with that. I, I don't like yeah. the the just the destructive, it's the worst, the menace thing. I it's can like, take a one star honest review. Yeah. over a one star. This sucked and he's horrible or whatever. Yeah. You, do you know uh, Scott Adams, the Dilbert creator? Uh -huh. um, so Scott, I, I did his, uh, he does a Periscope show and he's a great thinker. He's one of the people huh. that when, when Trump got elected, you know, when everyone said it could never happen, I was like, I was on Rogan, I think the day before. Mm. And I said, yeah, it's 50-50 because I had listened to interesting people like Scott Adams who had sort of explained what was going on there. And Scott Adams said to me, I'm now calling it the Scott Adams theory that if you sell a book and that book only has five stars and one stars, yeah. you've done it right. Because uh -huh. that means you have people that love you and people that hate you. 
But if you have all three stars, you got a problem yeah, on your you hands. Do. It's not yeah. an interesting book. Yeah, you haven't done that you much. You need to be so. uh, on both sides. Yeah. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone at the end. It's called The Three Truths. So imagine it's your last day. You've cloned yourself a million times over, but eventually technology blows up or something, and you can't clone yourself anymore, and you've got to say goodbye. Um, and you've created every dream you can think of for your personal life, professional life, everything you want to say, it's out in the world. But for whatever reason, on your last day, you've got to take all your information with you. So no one has access to your content anymore. Your book's gone. Everything's gone. But you get to leave behind three things you know to be true about your life, about your experiences, the lessons you've learned, and you could pass these on, only these three things. What would you say are your three truths? Well, I think the most important one is that you stand up for what you believe in. That is the most important thing. It is your life. As far as we know, we got one shot at this thing. And if you don't fight for what you believe, then all you're doing is creating room for people who you know, believe other mm. things. And those may not be great things. And it, in many ways, will be your fault when the world goes out of control. So that would be one. That's good. Um, I think another one that this would be a sort of one that I came to <clears throat> a little bit later in life is uh, be, be a little kinder to yourself if possible. Um, I, I don't have regrets in life. I really don't. I, that's not to say I don't have all of the mistakes, all of the mistakes and stupid things and drugs and every other stupid thing that I did. But I don't regret them because I made it out on the other side. But I do wish in the process of that, maybe mm -hmm. I had been a little easier on myself. Yeah. You know, like that is, I think, especially when I think of the closeted stuff that we didn't get into, I beat the hell out of myself up in a way that now seems almost, it's, it, it actually seems almost unimaginable. And, yeah. I don't, and, and in essence, I don't even know why I did it. I, there was no proof. Shame. All whatever, of that stuff, yeah. but it was like, it was an internal job. It, yeah. it was an inside job. Yeah. So I would say be kind and then one more, this may sound cliche, but do something. Mm. Do something with your life. You know, like I think one of the reasons that so many people, I'll answer it a little different. I'll say do something, but what I mean by that is people always say to me, Dave, why don't you put out five shows a week? You do one or two shows a week and then I do some live streams and some other stuff. And I always, my answer is always, well, I assume you have a life. If you watch my show, that probably means, hopefully you listen to Lewis's show, you, you listen to Sam right. Harris's podcast, you watched a Jordan Peterson thing, you watched maybe, you know, Rogan does 80 hour shows, so maybe you watch half of one show. <laughs> you, oh, you, there's enough stuff out there that's cool and interesting, but you shouldn't just sit there watching stuff all the time. Like, don't, I, I don't want to, it's not like, if I did more, well, first of all, I don't have any freaking time anymore. Like we have enough, we're busy enough, but I don't mean it because of that. I mean it because Go out there and do stuff. Don't yeah. just sit there on your phone all day. As riveting as this interview maybe was, like hopefully you put your phone down after and go do what you want to do, whatever that is. And find something that gives you purpose. Like I think that was the, the trick that, that anyone that's interesting in the world pulled off is that they started doing something and then before they knew it, it was like, whoa, I became the thing that I thought I could be. Mm -hmm. And that does feel like a very sort of Jordan-esque type move because I saw him do that. But a lot of people don't do it and they don't know why they don't do mm -hmm. it, you know? And, and now it's funny because now that I've achieved something that's, that's pretty good, a lot of my friends, my college friends, my high school friends, that saw me go through all the struggle years of stand-up and having no money and my buddy who worked at a food service thing used to literally drop off giant cans of tuna, like industrial can of tuna, and I would just eat tuna for weeks. I kid you not. My mom was always afraid I was gonna have mercury poisoning, oh. right? Like I was gonna <laughs> drop dead for, he ate too much tuna. 
But like, I did all of that stuff and it's like, I don't know why I did it in retrospect, standing out on street corners, handing out tickets. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell come you to what, my show. I, yeah. to, I'll tell you one funny thing related yeah. to that. Um, so one night, so we, this is called barking and we were trying to do stand up. You stand out there for an hour a night, you hopefully get your stage time and it might be front of, it's usually in Times Square. So if you get 50 people in the audience, it's like four of them are, are Chinese, three are from the Netherlands. You got two people from uptown. Like it's a weird collection of people that you got to somehow figure out how to be funny on. That wasn't the hard part for me. The other part was that we would do it six nights a week. I did it two, two hours a night because we usually do two shows a night. And I did that for, for probably five years of my life. And it, that is very hard to think back. How the fuck mm. did I do that? What, what, was I, what gave me the crazy passion to do that? But there was one night, it, there was a crazy nor'easter in New York City. The city was shut down. They were telling you, do not go outside. Mm. You know, you're gonna freeze to death. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna drop dead out there. Blizzard, it's like yeah, hot yeah. in the winter. You gotta get out of here, you know? <laughs> But of course, I, I only knew how to do one thing. I remember I put on two pairs of pants, put on two pairs of socks, sweatshirt, hoodie, jacket, j another jacket, hat, muffs. I'm out there and my cell phone rings. And this is before iPhones and whatever. It's like my old like uh, Nokia. Nokia, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nokia, like all I can do is play Snake. <laughs> and my it's my roommate, so that's why I picked up. And I pick up and I remember my hand's shaking, I'm freezing. And he goes, and it's my roommate Mike, and he goes, Dave, I'm watching the local news right now. And they're doing a report from Times Square that nobody should be out in the in this freezing cold. And I see you standing behind the reporter. Wow. There was a reporter like half a block away doing the thing about and nobody should be out here. <laughs> and here's this idiot comedy tonight anyway. But there's nobody on the streets. But like that type of thing, like I have no idea how I did it or wow. why I did it other than I did it. You did it. And I think the uh, the point of be kind to yourself, kinder to yourself, is probably something that I don't, I don't hear enough but it's something that I would give as probably one of my top 10 truths at least because for 25 years, I, I was raped as a five-year-old boy by an older man. Mm. And for 25 years, I held that secret in. And so I can't, I can't understand what it's like being closeted gay or not telling your so story or what's happened to you or where, how you feel or what your position is on sexuality. But I understand the feeling of beating yourself up and yeah. shameful for something and feeling like you won't be accepted if people knew. And when I learned right. how to, you know, so it was just a constant beat up, as especially as a straight man, yeah. trying to be more manly, I guess, in yeah. middle school and high school and be seen as a man to have been sexually abused and raped was like the lowest of low for a straight white man yeah. in Ohio, right, for me. How, how long did you hold that in? 25 years, yeah, until I had 30. So nobody, literally nobody knew. No one knew. knew, yeah, except for me. See? And it was a story that I would remember every day. I mean, I would remember the no. scene, the setting, the whole thing, experience every single day. And I would just kind of use it as fuel for anger in yeah. my life. Oh my God. And so I can, I can, I can't fully understand what it's like, but I can no, empathize you... in the sense of like beating yourself up, feeling shameful, feeling insecure. What are people gonna think of me? Are they gonna accept me? Are people gonna love me? And I think if I would have been kinder to myself, I would have had a much better life. Yeah. So I think everyone should be kinder, no matter what they're going through, whether it's sexual abuse or they're, they're not uh, fully accepting who they are, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like if we are kind to ourselves, we're going to have much more peace and love in our heart, and that's what we're all looking for. So. Man, well, 
you know, it's funny. I usually tell at the end of a good interview, when someone gives a closing remark, I'm like, that's how you end an interview. You just did it yourself on your own show, but I promise you, we will have you in studio. And and let's let's talk about that and, sure. and a lot more. You're yeah, a great interviewer, sure. man. Oh, you thanks, really man. are. Yeah. You just, you just got to ask curious, question, dumb questions that you think uh, are most people. I think the reason why I'm okay at it is because I ask a lot of dumb questions that people aren't willing to ask. Ah, come on. That's fake humility and right I feel there. Like, no, on, it's true. I feel on. like... Because I'm just a curious person, and sometimes I feel like, man, I, I wonder if everyone knows this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I have one final question yeah. for you, even though you said you wanted me to end it there. Yeah. Um, no, no, you, you cleaned it up really nice <laughs> at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you guys get this book. Don't burn this book. Check it out. Uh, give it an honest review once you check it out. I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Dave, for, for how you've shown up in your life consistently towards your truth. And again, I don't know 100% about what you believe and everything, but I... I love the fact that you have even changed your beliefs in the last few years and you constantly are evolving based on your experiences, based on what's working for you and what you want is best for the world in your point of view. So I acknowledge you for that and for putting yourself out there, especially in your political space with all the hate that you guys get. I don't know how you do it, but uh, I acknowledge you for putting your your art out there because this is an expressive, expressive art form. And I know how much energy it takes to put that out there. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad we got to connect. Uh, my final question is, what is your definition of greatness? Well, I knew this one was coming. <laughs> I knew that's why you said before I got one more for it. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Greatness is, is I mean, this is an offshoot of what we're talking about here. It's, it's doing what you're supposed to do. I have been blessed. It's, it's very much like your situation. Like the amount of people, like you sat across from Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I toured with Jordan Peterson. Right. Um, I've become good friends with Peter Thiel, like, like innovative thinkers. I have, I have interviewed and you have interviewed people that have done what you're supposed to do as a human being. Greatness is doing what you're supposed to do. Mm. It's, greatness isn't, oh, you have, to, you have to invent a product or you have to be a basketball star. Greatness is there is something, I really <clears throat> believe this, there is something in you that is the thing that you are supposed to become and you gotta, maybe this is sort of what you were saying a moment ago, you almost have to just learn how to get out of your own way to do it. Mm-hmm. We all know it. We all know there is something in us, that, that internal monologue, that like knows what is right and what we're supposed to be doing and that we shouldn't lie and we should be honest and we should be open with our friends and we should be loving and generous mm-hmm. and all those things. Doesn't mean we do it all the time, but like if you, if you try to do it, as much as you can. Like, that's the best you can do, I think, yeah. right? Like, but when I've sat across from people, like when I sit across from Jordan or I sit across from Teal, and I'm sure it was like like yeah. this with Kobe, and you're like, man, this is exactly where we started, so this is how you end an interview the right way, right? Like, when you sit across from that and you see it, you, you're like, it, it's almost like you're not talking to a human. Because yeah. you're seeing someone that's like, it's like, we're all in a big freaking show here and you're one of the stars of the show. Mm. And that's a pretty beautiful thing. Cool. So, so if, as the kids are saying these days, life is a simulation, it's like, well, maybe life's a video game or maybe life's a, a, a cartoon or something, but it's like, you may as well be the star of the thing. And what does the star do? Luke blows up the Death Star. Yeah, you know? might as well win the game. You might as well, or at least play the game. Play the game. At least play the game. Don't just watch other people playing the game. Yeah, My play man. the game. Dave, you, Thanks, Can we man. shake hands? I haven't touched another. Let's do it. I <laughs> appreciate you, man. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, my friend. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, please share these new insights that you learned 
with a friend. You have the power to change someone's life, to improve someone's life by just spreading some greatness, and it's 100% free here on the School of Greatness podcast. Make sure to post it on your social media as well and tag me, Lewis Howes, and Dave Rubin. And also, we're now on TikTok. That's right. I'm posting creative, inspiring content over there every single day. Check out at Lewis over on TikTok and let me know what you think of those videos. And if you want to connect with me directly and receive inspirational texts every single week, then send me a text right now, 614-350-3960 with the word podcast so I know you came from the School of Greatness. Again, text me right now if you want inspirational texts from me every week, 614-350-3960. And Albert Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. You are constantly going to be growing and evolving in your life. You're going to have different beliefs from childhood to your teen years to adulthood. Things are going to grow and evolve based on what's happening in your life and the stage of life that you're in. Have the courage to change your mind. Have the courage to evolve your thinking. Don't stay stuck in a thinking that keeps you in a problem or in a negative set of experiences. Allow yourself to question things. Allow yourself to explore. And it's okay if what you thought was right for you in the past is no longer right for you in the present or in the future. This is the power of your mind and your life. Things change and evolve and everything is okay. Thanks again for being a part of this incredible greatness community. If this is your first time here, please subscribe to the School of Greatness on Apple and Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Follow us over on YouTube for more exclusive videos and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps us continue to spread the message of greatness to more people. I'm so grateful for you. I love you so very much. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 